Bring it in and cheers ah. to 200 episodes the of the Read Option Podcast. Boys, 200, the whole gang's here. Of course, we were all going to do it. That probably shattered everyone's eardrums by how closely I popped that into the microphone. But I don't care. I'm going to take a sip of this champagne. 200 episodes, uh, two and a half years. I gotta add, gotta figure out how many hours of content, as we were just trying to figure out how much, how many hours of Friends has been watched uh, across the world. Um, <laughs> but boys, cheers, congratulations to you guys, cheers. to all of us. Thank you, all listeners. Two hundred episodes, salute. Mm. Oh, and we're what a ride! Oh, we're spilling champagne over here. All right, <laughs> we did champagne for the hundredth episode, and. Uh, Shout out to my buddy Brad and his wife V. When they got married, uh, I got to take home a lot of leftover alcohol, and I was like, "What am I gonna do with like three bottles of champagne?" I was like, "I'm just gonna save them. You never know when you'll need them." And uh, there it is. There's the first one. So, uh, cheers. Yeah. The, the other one I'm saving because that my buddy is a Cowboys fan. The other one I'm saving for the next time the Eagles win the Super Bowl, so I can say a Cowboys fan bought me a bottle of champagne to open during the Eagles Super Bowl victory. <laughs> 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 Come on, that's uh, good. That's gonna be an old bottle. No, that's of great. That's great. It's just gonna be. Uh, nah, I hope you know, you have to FaceTime him directly when you get it too. Like, I love thank that. you so much. Like, yeah. dude, and do you, you, do you, recognize you can't buy bottle? that, dude. You can't buy that yourself because I've thought many times. Uh, it's well documented uh, how many how many uh, championships my teams have won over the past I don't know 15, 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. I I cannot go like like game six of the Warriors game last year. I was like. This might be the last one. Let me go buy a bottle of champagne. Nope. Can't do it yourself. You got to have somebody else buy it for you. Otherwise, you're going to lose the series. That's a guarantee. That's true. That is true. Well, you definitely can't drink champagne, but it's one of those things you have to do it far enough in advance. You know? You got to have to Like you buy it. like Before the season starts. Exactly. So like for all, all the teams, and this counts for two out of the three people on this podcast, Whose teams have Super Bowl ap- uh, aspirations? We can. Uh, you, don't you, the, you don't think the Eagles are going to go back to? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. It's just you know Super Bowl hangover. <laughs> um, but you know, go out. Must be all that you, champagne. <laughs> if you think uh, if you think you can, uh, your team has a shot. Go buy buy a bottle of champagne. Put it in your fridge or wine cellar or cooler wherever. You can even just have it out in room temperature and then ice it for a Super Bowl. But have it ready just in case. You never know. I didn't think the Eagles were going to be in the Super Bowl last year, and sure shit, there they were. Um, One thing to add: uh, grab your tie bottles. It's about that time. I, if you follow the program, you guys know that uh, I'm a big fan of ties, and we always go off when there's a tie. At least me and some guys do. Uh, buy a tie bottle. Participate this year. It's really fun. It's really fucking fun. If you're, yeah, basically, we're just you will you to definitely be regret it. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> Save a couple sick days. And uh, some PTO and mm-hmm. buy a nice bottle of whiskey or whatever your preferred liquor is uh, and get ready for a tie. Um, but yeah, so it, this is 200 episode. We're not we're, we're going to do some stuff at the end. Um, so for our hardcore fans, people who are just here to listen to us talk about sports, 
you're going to get that first. That'll be the main part of the pod. And then we're going to talk about some stuff at the end. Um, but it felt right to open like we did for a hundred. I mean, hell, even that hundredth episode, you guys remember what the context was for the hundredth episode? Uh, I know I was wearing a tie and a, and a, a, a whole suit. That is oh. true. Yeah, It was the final four. Oh, I believe right. in, in 20, yeah. I believe it was the Duke North Carolina final four game. Um, because I remember I, I was wearing a, 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 a Carolina blue shirt. Uh, and I, be, I believe that's what it was. It was either that or it was the national championship when they got smoked by Baylor. Um, it's a good memory or wh- whatever that one was, but it was that, it was that other final four national championship that we had our hundredth episode. Uh, and we all had a bottle of champagne. We all popped at the same time. So it felt right to do it here. Um, so again, we'll do some reminiscing. We're going to go over our worst takes of all time. The worst podcasts we ever did. Um, I know I have some that come to mind, especially some of the solo ones that I'm like, uh, and, and some of our favorite memories and we'll get all, we'll get into all of that again towards the end. Um, but I did say last podcast, as you saw from the title of this podcast, uh, we want to go back to our roots. We want to do something different than our normal previews uh, in terms of the college football season, the NFL season. And we thought, this podcast was started two almost three years ago, uh, doing a fantasy football podcast for our fantasy league, and and we sprinkled in some football stuff in between, and fifteen thousand views, and three years later, we are now uh, kind of tackling all sports, and and that's kind of been the fun part about this. Uh, so we thought let's do our fantasy football preview today. Go back to our roots, where we started. Um, maybe even bring back Vito's three way. Oh, we might have to. That's a that's, that's a deep cut for just the OG listeners. I, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm, oh yeah. I'm on board with that. I think we're gonna have to. I don't have the licensing rights to let's get it on, so I might have to. We saw what happened to Ed Sheeran. I'm not trying to get sued by uh, Marvin Gaye's estate, so maybe we'll find <laughs> let's a get it all replacement. Let's get it off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's let's get it on, but in minor. Um, <laughs> just a little just a, music jokes. I love it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so again, thank you to everyone. We will dive into all the mushy gushy stuff at the end, but uh, we got a lot of football stuff to talk about. Uh, final week of preseason. Uh, the last games are starting to kind of flow in here. The Eagles had a full blown melee at practice that ended practice. Jason Kelsey still doing it, going after guys. For Your sister was there running back. She was. Did you see that? Yes, Wait, my, she sister, was? my sister oh, was yeah. for Lincoln Financial. So she was there uh, for an event. During uh, training camp, it was a uh, a cross practice with the Indianapolis Colts. There was a late hit on Kenny Gainwell, and Jason Kelsey did not take too kindly to that. But it literally ended practice, and apparently the Eagles were beating them up so badly that it just can. And I'm not even saying that's Eagles fan; like that's actually the report. Like they were just beating them so badly that the Colts players got so, super frustrated, and you know, a lot of late hits. Um, my sister said that they literally, it was like crazy. It was all of a sudden it's the fight broke out and everyone had to leave. It was like, go like they hustled, they hustled everyone out of there in like a split second. Um, which is good. You don't want any, uh, any fans getting involved in, in tussles between teams also helps eliminate, uh, or limit any of the PR stuff. Hmm. Um, I get involved. I, you'd want to, and then you stand yeah. next to Trent Williams and be like, Oh shit. Um, if that's how I go, <laughs> that's how, how, Hell of a way to go out. Um, so, yeah. So, fantasy football this week. I had my first draft after we finished recording on Monday. Uh, I think I killed it. It was It's my first ever Dynasty League. Um, 
And we're going to just set this rule up now for this episode. We we get no one likes to hear about your fantasy team. No one wants to hear about what you're doing or what draft is. It's one of those things. It's an unspoken rule. But we we lift that when we decide to talk about fantasy football. And we embrace fantasy football when we do it on the podcast. So uh, I have no problem ignoring that rule for today. Dynasty League, very interesting setup. Uh, you see a lot of quarterbacks go in the first round. You see a lot of rookies go early. Um to me, I was kind of the mindset, like I've never done this before, and there was a ton of really good players who weren't like old, old, who still have some quality years left, and you can only carry over, I think, two or three in this league. So I wasn't really too gung-ho about loading up on rookies. I was just kind of like, look, there's a second-year player who was a stud last year. I'm going to bring him and, you know, and, and get him into the lineup. Uh, but that got the juices flowing, man. It was, it was fun being back into it, the anxiety of when you're waiting for your pick, trying to map out when each of your next picks are going to be. Um, it was a lot of fun. So uh, I'm excited to, to talk some fantasy football. Uh, how many leagues are you guys in this year? We're obviously all in one big league together. Scotty's in two. Vito, are you in like 17? We're in, yeah, we're seven. in one big league? We're I'm the commission's here. The commission's here. here. Commission is yeah. here. That is that is the league. Everyone has one number one league. Mm-hmm. Like what your number everyone has one that you care about more than the others. Our league is that for me. I think it's not probably the same for Scotty, too. I would imagine. Yeah. How many are you in? Think, I'm in seven. Jesus. Oh, that seems excessive. Yeah. Is the XFL 3.0. Uh, your main league. Your uh, it is my favorite league. Your main this piece. One is one, there's one other one that also has, like I told you guys, there's one other group. So you know, this is a good fantasy football league. The text thread is active and hilarious, and you can say whatever you actually want in it, which I think is a key. Like yeah. I don't, I don't mind being myself and saying idiotic things, and you guys are like that was a dumb thing to say. I don't care, right? Yeah, that's how this group chat is more than the other one. But but uh, two main leagues that are awesome. Uh, and, and great things, but the other one doesn't have, uh, you know, isn't friends with Scott Hansen and all the other awesome perks. We've never gone on a bachelor party mostly together. Like there's some things that this group's done that just separates us a little bit. You know, we've had a lot of moments together outside of the league, which I think is key. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think the podcast we did for that league was huge too. Cause like, remember we got almost everybody on, I think there was one person who didn't end up making it on, uh, on, on that episode or on that podcast we did, we brought everyone on, talked about their fantasy strategy and their teams and fandom and a little bit about them. And I think that was a really cool moment because it felt like even though half of that league is on the other side of the country from us, um, you know, we're all we all became friends and we all kind of have that same vibe of like we can shit talk and and everyone can have a good time. And um, we still need to come up with a good sacco. We've been saying that for, I think, four years now. Um <laughs> I know we yeah, talked well, about a, it. There's a trophy for the Sacco. We do uh, have a trophy. Yeah, but to we don't be sure. Yeah, you don't want to win it. Yeah, there's no punishment, and we gotta we gotta get on that. I, I will grant you that. I'll tell you what, we are open to any sort of submissions too. So if anyone yeah. listening to this has any ideas, um, yeah, feel free email to email the out. directly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say we do we do have an email address. I don't think I've, we've ever pumped it out, but I'm pretty sure it's just the read option at gmail.com. So uh, if you have any uh, if you have any ideas, go ahead and, and send them our way, because I, I would love to see it. I also do keep tabs on our uh, Twitter as well, which is at read option pod uh, on Twitter. So feel free to hit us up on that. Um, yeah, because we got to figure something out. It's been the Sacco trophy is great, but the Sacco trophy needs to be like in a picture with the person doing whatever the punishment is. And yeah. at this point, like there's been so many like 
eat, go to Waffle House for 24 hours and every pancake or waffle you eat, it's an hour off your sentence or whatever. <laughs> like that's like Chris Long did that on his podcast and podcasted from Waffle House uh, two years ago. Like that, that was a great call, but we need more creative, inventive punishments. So because we I, all steal them from each other. I have a good one that that this is almost like a childhood punishment for me. So it's really good because I think it's pretty unique. Um, you have to dig a, and this is a, a take on what I had to do as a kid. If I was being dumb, um, we built a lot of stuff in the house, but I think that the loser has to dig out a four by four by four foot cube and fill the whole thing with concrete and do a nice trial finish. And we're going to actually go out and see it, get our names engraved in it, whatever, maybe not that thick, maybe not that far down, but some land work or go to the beach dig a hole and you have to send the the tape measure picture to the group of like, all right, you dug 20 feet long, eight feet wide, five feet deep. You might have to go back the second day. If it rains, you're screwed. I want to see some, some manual labor put on this labor while we still have it. That's my, that's what I'm I'm thinking around that. So, so I like that. This jolts any ideas for anybody, any manual labor stuff that would be wonderful. Um, Or like they have to go to the winner's house, like fly there and do yard work. Like that's an elite move right there. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do my own yard work. I don't trust that's, anybody else. <laughs> that's tough, though, with our league, too, because we're talking cross-country flights. So, yeah, like, if Corgus is the Sacco again, and he's got to fly out to Northern Virginia, where I'm at, you know, we're, we're talking about some a, a pretty penny on a on a flight. I, I had an idea as we were talking about this that I think would be fun. You have to spend an entire day open to close at a mall. And while you're while you're that's at, pretty good. While you're at the mall, you have to buy one thing or of that starts with the letter of each letter of the alphabet. It can be as that's expensive tough. as expensive or as inexpensive as you want, but you have to buy one thing from eat for because you can walk around the whole mall. You got food court there mm. that that counts towards it too. You want to get a corn dog that counts towards it, but one thing open to close. You have to stay at the mall. The entire day, and you have to buy at, at something that starts with A, B, C, D, all the way down through Z while you're there. That would be too many because two twenty six. It's ten dollars each. It's like a, a thing. But I think to your point, but you could be cheap, right? Like you could find things yeah. that's like a yeah. keychain that's like a dollar. You yeah, know, that has like four of those. Yeah, like a keychain that says Z- the name Xander on it, right? For X, yeah. that's like two dollars, right? So Do you know you, Xander. <laughs> I went to, I, Xander, I went to school dog, with Xander. Bro. You know? This is a great video. Um, <laughs> I think that's a fun one. Or maybe just stay in a mall open to close all day. I think also, like maybe to your point, instead of all 26 letters, like everyone else in the league gets to choose one store where you have to buy something or like choose one thing you have to, or, some, mm. some, or you have to buy something for everyone else in the league. Maybe that's it. You have to that buy an be item good too. for everybody else. For everybody can, in yeah. the league. Yeah, yeah. That when you see him, I like that because I think that's not too cost effective. I think it's enough that yeah. like everyone could be involved in it, and then it's also the punishment of like you have to just stay in a mall for like I don't know what, what how how early does a mall open like seven a.m. eleven. I don't know. Let's do. Well, let's just see here. The I'm closest, texting my sisters. The, uh... <laughs> Tyson's Corner. If you're <laughs> familiar, uh, let's see Tyson's Mall. Looking for the hours. All right. So it says Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah, that's solid. So that's 11, 11 hours. hours. You got to spend 11 hours at the mall. 
This mall also has a movie theater in it. So like there, I think no you'd have to, I think you'd have no to movies. put a rule yeah. in like no movies at the movie theater. But like, what if there's like a Dick Sporting Goods? You can go to like a little uh, golf, like golf simulator until they kick you out. Just like, just keep hitting the golf simulator. Over You're not going to buy anything. And then you You're just testing clubs for six hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would totally um, go to Spencer's. I like that. You guys I think we should. Gifts. I, yeah. I'm oh, yes. This. Oh yeah. <laughs> Zoomies, you know, I think, I think we should submit this as a proposal for our league. Cause I think everyone has a mall near them. Everyone can mm. figure out a way to do this. I think that'd be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, with that the being commission said, will, uh, we're going <laughs> to the commission. Well, I think that, I think this, I think the Sacco punishment has to be a group league decision. Vote, yeah. And predetermined. Yeah, I think that's gotta be a league <clears throat> league vote. It's like, an, it's like the owner's meeting when you're bringing in a new owner, you have, you, everyone has to vote. It has to be over a certain percentage. Um, I, li- I like that one, though. Uh, so the way we're doing our preview this year, which is the same thing we've done in the past, we're going to go position by position. Um, so we're going to start running backs, quarterbacks. Wide- we'll probably start wide- running backs, wide receivers first, then quarterbacks. Then we'll go de- defense and-, and kicker after that. Tight ends, defense, kicker. Um, and we're just kind of work through some like the top 10 guys. Uh, we're going to pick a few from a kind of each category, your RB ones, RB twos, RB threes, maybe some late guys, some rookies that you want to be interested in. Uh, and then we'll sprinkle in as we go, uh, you know, our, our stay aways guys were absolutely no interest in drafting this year, sleeper picks. Uh, and then we're each going to pick a fantasy shout out, Matthew Barry, our fantasy ride or die, our, our number one guy. Like if you can pick this guy coming out of your draft, you're going to be absolutely stoked with. So, uh, what do you say? Start with running backs. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, let's do that. Go with the guy who I said I'd take at number one. All right, which wasn't McCaffrey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Austin Eckler. Nope. Uh, sorry. Uh, well, it is interesting. According to yeah. ESPN's PPR, now we our league is a half point PPR, but according, you know, no, you gotta, it's not. No, did it's we not. make the switch? You got this it year? all wrong. Yeah, it was last year. Where were you? <laughs> we were PPR last year. <laughs> like full point. I thought we were half yeah, point. Too. I thought we were half last year. Oh, somebody didn't watch the the draft order video. Oh, oh I, I watched, watched it, it like five times. Oh, well, then you would know. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Well, huh. I probably had the same realization at some point, like halfway through the season last year. I thought we were okay. So now we're we are full point PPR this year, um, and in according to ESPN PPR league cheat sheet, they have Austin Eckler as the number one ranked running back. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a year, especially if you're in a PPR league, that you're going to be taking a running back number one overall. Uh, obviously, there are guys with tremendous upside. If Christian McCaffrey continues what he did, stays healthy like he did with the Niners, I think there's a very real argument to have Christian McCaffrey be the number one overall pick. Um, I got I auto-drafted him last year because I couldn't get signed into the Yahoo app. And, uh, and let's just say I was not thrilled at the pick because I wanted to go in a different direction. Vito, you had the first pick, and you took, I believe, Jonathan Taylor last year, and I I was going to go for Justin Jefferson. Ended up with McCaffrey, who was a great pick. He ended up being, I believe, RB1 at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, PPR League, you're getting so much action out of the backfield. But is there, other than McCaffrey, and, again, that's with the caveat that he stays healthy, is there a running back in the league this year that you feel comfortable taking with the first overall pick? I think the reason why I like Eckler is I think that offense is going to expand a little bit. Like we talked about in the preview of the AFC West, Um, go back and hit that if you haven't listened to it yet, but I think the chargers are poised for a breakout. I like Eckler. I like what they've done. The offense, he's going to be sneaking out of that backfield 
and open a lot like he was last year. He's great at touchdowns. I think those guys are there. What do you, the only other thing I can think of, there's two names still that jump out to me as like, you wouldn't take number one, but could end up number one, which like Saquon always has that ability. And Derrick Henry is still a beast. Like every, there are times with Derrick Henry, again, PPR is a little different, right? But if you're just in a generic league, Derrick Henry, yeah, he was injured last year, but every year he's healthy in the playoff run, he wins you games. Like that's that's his time to shine is when we are in fantasy playoffs. Even when he's not healthy, he still ends up at the end of the year averaging out to be, uh, you know, last year I think he missed some like four games last year, and he still was like one of the top four running backs in all of fantasy, uh, mm-hmm. which is insane. Like <laughs> for him to miss that much time and still be one of the top backs in fantasy. I, I, again, if your league is PPR, uh, yeah, you, when you're drafting, you you feel you feel the downside of that because he's not catching the ball out of the backfield uh, like even a Saquon w- probably will um, out of uh, uh, for the Giants. So uh, I, I think Saquon is the the bigger upside in a, in a PPR league. Um, but, you know, with Derrick Henry when healthy can can wrangle with the best of them in uh, in in any year in any league. Yeah, no. I, and I agree. I. To answer the question, I don't think there is a running back. I think if you're going to, you, it's McCaffrey, just because of how good he looked in San Francisco. Um, and again, as we talked about earlier in the week about Brock Purdy, like Brock Purdy is going to check down the ball some. There's going to be moments where it's easier for him to, and there'll be designs where it's a little flare out out to the flat. And it's a five yard throw for Brock Purdy that gets turned into a, you know, 40 yard touchdown run by McCaffrey. Like those plays are just going to happen because he is that good. You just have to, you know, you have to be comfortable knowing the risk that gets involved and knowing that if you do draft Christian McCaffrey, number one, overall, or Austin Eckler. I mean, again, those are the two guys I guess you would consider. I, I don't know if I would take Austin Eckler in that range. Um, I don't think I would, but maybe if I had the pressure of the first pick, I would talk myself into it. Um, you have to be really confident and, and really take a bit of a risk because one injury, one McCaffrey t- turf toe or rolled ankle, and then you look and you're playing the guy who has Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, and those are guys you could have taken there at number one overall. Like You have to be really, really confident that McCaffrey is going to stay healthy or just be willing to take that risk uh, because if McCaffrey hits – then you're set. I mean, he's going to be arguably the best skill player in fantasy football if he's healthy and plays 17 games, especially if he's healthy during your playoff stretch. Having a guy like that is incredibly valuable. You're just running that risk. And I think from a health standpoint, you'd probably rather have Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase uh, at the first or second pick, but I wouldn't fault anybody in taking the risk on McCaffrey because of the upside. Um one of the things we've kind of talked about here, and I know Scotty and I have talked about it in Vito, we were, we were talking about the end of last episode off air, um, kind of how weird this year in fantasy is. It's yeah. a lot of boomer bust guys. Um, and, and one of the things that I kind of, because part of how I wanted to break this down was like, let's talk about through the RB1s, right? Who, who do we have in that RB1 kind of category? That list is small, and it's also the people that you could throw into that true RB1 category. Uh, there's questions on pretty much every single one of them. So the names I had on that list are Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Bijan, the rookie, Saquon, Derrick Henry, uh, Nick Chubb, 
And after that, you're starting to get a little, you're getting even bigger questions because every guy I just said there has a lot of questions. Um, People would argue Tony Pollard. I think there's a very good chance, especially in PPR leagues, Tony Pollard could be in there, but we've never seen him outside of short stretches where Zeke's been hurt. We've never really seen him be like the every down back kind of guy. And with how much it seems as though Dallas is going to run the football this year, you would expect the value and the, the overall target share. Um, and just the amount of touches to be there for him to make it more valuable. But there's a question mark around him. Josh Jacobs coming off a career year for him, led the league in rushing last year. But that year is definitely a bit of an outlier for him over the course of his career. Uh, Joe Mixon, there's always the question of health with him. Jonathan Taylor is obviously a huge question mark as the, the Colts have basically told him, yeah, you can go find a trade. But right before we came on to record, Jim Mercer set a date until next Tuesday is when he has to continue to look for a trade. And if he can't find one until then, then they're not willing to trade him. So there's a chance that we have a Le'Veon Bell in circa, what was that, 2018? 2018 season, I think, was when Le'Veon held out uh, and then came back and played like the bare minimum of games towards the end of the season. Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Jameer Gibbs. There's not a lot of true... RB ones. So would you agree with my overall assessment there? I mean, obviously it's a weird year. I think everyone can agree with that, but is there anyone that you would put into that like bona fide? Like I trust him to be a true RB one going into this season. I, I think you hit most of the, I mean, you hit a lot of names there. I think you hit most of them. One guy I think who's going to take that step up who I, I think you drafted RB two, but might become an RB one. Uh, I have two names on my list there. Kenneth Walker, the third, and Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders get being in a system where he's going to get a lot of the carries. He's a talented back. Everyone knows it. I think that Carolina, they're going to give him the ball a lot with a rookie quarterback. Um, he might have a, some loaded boxes, but the line's not great. But I think he's a guy who carry and catch wise, right? He's going to be a dump off for, for Bryce Young a lot. And I could see him in um, really taking a step up. But so, so I think they're on that fringe because to your point, I think you hit most of those names right from, uh, McCaffrey, do you throw Eckler in there? Obviously, I think Eckler, yeah. but um, uh, went down him. some interesting ones for sure. And then you get to the edge, didn't Jacksonville drop the running back? Because I was thinking the same thing at ETN was Tank great. Bigsby, yeah, yeah, Tank yeah. Bigsby out of Auburn. Um, mm-hmm. who during the preseason, uh, ETN hasn't played a ton in the preseason, but they have been giving the ball a lot to Tank Bigsby. I'll be curious because Doug loves his rotation of running backs. And I think tanks, big tank, Bigby is going to get a lot of carries in this offense. Right. Travis Etienne is listed right now as the 11th best running back in the PPR offense. Now, again, he has the skill set where they're going to line him up all over the field and he's going to get a lot in the passing game, which again, in the PPR league is going to be more valuable than a tank Bigsby, but who's to say that tank tank Bigsby is not coming in down the goal line, stealing touchdowns away. You could say the same thing about Jameer Gibbs. Right. I mean, in addition to the fact that he's a rookie, he's got David Montgomery sitting right behind him for the Detroit Lions. Is it we don't know what we're going to see out of Jameer Gibbs? Everyone's comparing him to McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and all these guys. And I'm like, he could be great, you know. But we said the same shit about, you know, Najee Harris two years ago, and Najee Harris was like RB25 last year. Uh, and, and had over three, I think he had almost 400 touches too, and he had a pretty mediocre season in terms of fantasy. Um, I heard Matthew Barry actually recently compare him to Trent Richardson, which I thought that's, was 
Wow. I thought that was that a unfair. little early and a little, <clears throat> yeah. that's a dig. Like that's a, that's a kind of a, but when you look at the like fantasy production side of it, like he's, he's not entirely wrong. I wouldn't say that. I think he's no. a much better player and has proven to be a better player than Trent Richardson did, but Trent I understand. Might've had, I think he had the record for the lowest yards per game, like yeah. in a year ever. It was like below three at one point. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and look, Najee was in tough situations his his first and second year and hopefully that offense looks a little different this year um but yeah i just i don't know scotty is there anyone on that list of of guys that i read out who's projected in that top 12 that you think should be considered like a no doubt rb1 um yeah i think there's there's a couple guys you didn't list that i would i would consider in that um Okay. In in that category. Uh you mentioned you mentioned Najee. I think he can be up there this year with a retold offense. Uh, <clears throat> uh two guys that jump out to me, three really, uh, are Joe Mixon because of the, the because of the offensive line. Uh and, and we know how good he can be when when he's involved in the offense and healthy. Uh Aaron Jones jumps out to me as as someone who uh, how many targets is Jordan Love gonna have? Uh, and and Aaron Jones has a ton of upside in the in the passing game too. He had like a twelve percent target share with Aaron Rodgers at, at the helm, which leads me to my next one, which is Dalvin Cook for the New York Jets. Uh, recall that he's pretty good in the passing game uh, as well, and he's an a, an elite runner. Uh, I think he gets involved into that in that New York Jets offense in the absence of Brees Hall, uh, who I think is is a stud back, and and we'll see what what transpires this year. But I think. Uh, guys coming off of ACL injuries at that point of the year, it was he was later than Javante even uh, for you, Vito. So uh, it's going to take a while for him to get back into the mix. And, and even then, how healthy is he going to be? That's why they went out and got a guy like Dalvin Cook. Um, I think he could be a, a dangerous part of uh, what could be a, a pretty, uh, pretty solid and explosive offense for the Jets. Yeah, I'm trying to find where they have him ranked right now. I I, I saw he's it earlier. Low, he's so... right now. He's ranked as the 30th running back according to ESPN. Um, and and there's a few reasons for that, right? Because everyone loves Brees Hall because of how good he looked last year. I mean, I I I was really surprised last year with the with the Brees Hall stuff. Um, how good he looked, how effective he was on that offense, and obviously the difference. Uh, the New York Jets looked you know in, in the running game without him in that starting lineup i also don't know if how much of that is like flash in the pan and now after because he got hurt pretty early into the season last year i want to say it was like october maybe uh end of september beginning of october um i i am skeptical especially a less than a year removed from an acl i mean we always like we say this all the time like it's a two-year injury you know, and, and the guys who are going to be jumping at the bits to, you know, draft a Brees Hall, that to me is like, let someone else make that mistake. You know, don't do not do that. If there's a player, if he's there, if he's the number one guy ranked on the board when you're coming up, according to ESPN or Yahoo, wherever you're playing, like, and, and you're worried about that, I think that between the Dalvin Cooks threat and coming off the injury, I would stay away from that. And I also think, unfortunately, it dings Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook with the Vikings has been a top 10 pick the last, what, four years, basically? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I think the two of them are going to eat at each other's touches, opportunities, and I, I think either one of them will be a fine flex option, RB2 option, but I don't think either one of them should be considered in that RB1 tier because they're going to take away from each other's snaps. 
I just find it interesting that it's a year right now where you could end up drafting a guy like Kenneth Walker, who right now is being drafted in like the fourth, fifth rounds, and he could end up being a top five running back. But even Kenneth Walker has uh, Zach Charbonnet, the rook, the second round pick out of UCLA right behind him too, who's a really, really good player. Uh, The league has turned, as we saw with all the contract talk and everything that went off about a month ago and everyone kind of getting upset about, hey, we're running backs aren't getting paid enough, whatever. I think going back to that, we're starting to see it kind of trickle into fantasy a little bit where more and more teams are doing that running back by committee because every single one of these guys, with the exception of maybe like Derrick Henry um, and maybe Chris McCaffrey, all these guys are going to have supplemental guys coming in behind them and they're going to eat away at you, which is why I think the wide receiver position has become more valued in the fantasy world than it ever has. One guy in this top group as well um, that I think, to your point, was a cowbell and everything, but I, I think Josh Jacobs, like the fact that he's nine on here, led the league in rush. Like he, he just, listen, I know Vegas is going through some stuff on offense, but I'll tell you what, he at least knew what he was doing and ran the ball really well. So yeah, um, he's, he's a guy who I, I, again, on that fringe where it's like, man, if, if he's open, I would take him. But to your point, I mean, a lot of these guys, not only do they have someone drafted behind them, they have, they brought in people free agency. Like look at like Denver, for instance, like, again, you look at, Oh, Javante Williams. That's he's a starter. It's like, well, yeah, he is. But then they brought in P Ryan and they brought in some other guys. And, and, and he's also even, coming off an ACL injury. Exactly. And then, and then like in Philly, you have like Swift. I love DeAndre Swift, but they have Rashad Penny too. And Gainwell has been playing well. Like, well, and Gainwell's taken more first team snaps I, during training camp than anyone, which I don't get because I honestly watching them, there's no way he's better than Swift. Like that's just not, I mean, he might be better for what they are asking him to do or, I, DeAndre, I just, or DeAndre yeah. Swift comes in and immediately is like, Holy shit, this guy's a total difference maker because yeah. the, there's no, I've never been a question about, DeAndre Swift's talent, but he gets a little cute with the way he he runs in the holes. And sometimes he breaks an ankle like he did in the first preseason game and takes it for a 20 plus yard run. And sometimes he gets tackled behind the line of scrimmage for a three yard loss. <laughs> and sometimes he breaks his own ankle. And which sometimes is what keeps him off the field. Yeah. And sometimes he gets hurt and banged up. I mean, <laughs> you know, Kenny Gainwell 100% has been the guy taking more first team snaps. He understands the system better. And he's, I mean, I think we talked to this Kenny Gainwell's since he's come to the league. So in the last two years leads the league in yards per attempt. And it's, it's by a large margin. Like it's not close. Um, that is pretty and, well. and part of that is again, you're playing behind the best offensive line. You're playing with Jalen hurts. There's a lot of things, but if you're a fantasy player, you don't really give a shit about that. You just look at Kenny Gainwell. Who's currently being drafted in like, I want to see where he's ranked here. Uh, I'll see if I can find it in a little bit. He Probably doesn't even fifties. <laughs> I was gonna say, I mean, in in the league I was drafted, I got him in like the seventeenth round. He's currently drafted or uh, listed as the 51, 51st Jeez. running back. But he's a guy that, like, towards the end of the season, I guarantee you, there's gonna be people <laughs> starting him in playoff games. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I, I really wouldn't because that, when it comes down to that time of year, that's you need guys who are getting touches. Yeah. Um, I like your yeah, I like your I, Aaron Jones pick, Scotty, too. Um, but yeah, again, Aaron there's Jones, there's just yeah, question top, marks top about six in 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 target share. Yeah, uh, on on a team last year that had a a good quarterback and a, a an emerging receiving core, uh, and I think this year it's, he's going to get a lot of those uh, the lion's share of those uh, those targets. 
uh, being that Jordan Love is going to use him as a dunk down guy. <clears throat> yeah, I. It's interesting because I just every single name that comes across, there's arguments to be made against against them. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's there's no such thing as a like no doubt draft pick in the running back what, room this year in fantasy. What are you doing with uh, with a guy like Camara? It's That's a good, a- it's a good question. So three game suspension. So we're not going to have Kamar for the first three games. Uh, apparently, I was reading an article. Apparently, there was something like his his muscle distribution was off, and his right leg was like two pounds heavier than his left leg. Um, and he's been able to kind of like balance that out and do work. To, I don't know. Um, he look, he's getting to the point of his career where injuries are concerned. Um, I, I heard a stat that was like out of he had in the last two years, he's had over 400 plus touches of the football. He has four rushing touchdowns. Wow. He's, he's scored in other what? ways, but in the <laughs> yeah. last, in the last two seasons, I mean, th- that is something to be, you know, to at least consider or at least think about uh, because he hasn't been the same receiver. He was the last couple of years uh, and staying on the field has been a really big problem for him. If he's healthy, and we see a rejuvenated Alvin Kamara, then yeah, someone could draft yeah. him late in the second round and have the steal of the draft that could completely flip your league. The problem with with that argument is that I can say the same thing about so many guys on this list. Yeah, sure. You know, like, what do you make of a guy like Alexander Madison out of Minnesota? Yeah, right. You know, like when yeah. he's when he had to fill in when Dalvin Cook got hurt, he was pretty darn good. He's yeah. 20, 25, I think. I thought he was a lot older than he was, but he's actually younger than I thought. Mm-hmm. Devin and Singletary, <laughs> like yeah, James well, Connor has been the dude who just like someone's yeah. gonna have to score touchdowns, right, yeah. for Arizona. And, and to your point, the one guy I look at all the time who did well last year, we all think is good, is Damian Pierce. Damian he is Pierce ranked twenty one on this list, and like he yeah. could easily be a guy who next year goes in the first round if he gets the volume of carries and is consistent, and that they rebuff that offensive line. That also could be a guy who they have a rookie quarterback like going to run the ball a lot. Yeah, like Damian Pierce is a guy who. I like personally, well, you guys should forget this for our draft, but I'm looking at him for sure as my RB2 or RB3. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we just quick. I mean, look, we're we're all talking about it, so we all know what we're gonna do. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's also nine other people in our league who are gonna be trying to snipe us out. Um, this whole second and and even third tier, like I really feel like that's what's gonna flip leagues this year. Because I think everyone and and what you were saying there, Vito, at the beginning of this, like there is a lot of depth of wide receiver. Like everyone in your league is going to have a stud at wide receiver who can go off for 25, 30 points on any given Sunday. What's going to be interesting is seeing how these running backs end up shaking out. Right. Because let's say you take, you know, Derrick Henry in the first round and Damian Pierce in the second, and they end up being both top five running backs. You know, you could get, you know, Derrick Henry at pick seven and what 15 or whatever for, for Damian Pierce, that could be a huge switch, right? Mm-hmm. Or what happens if Isaiah Pacheco is continuing what he was at the end of the season for Kansas City, right? Because Kansas City used him a ton down the stretch in the postseason and the, the closing out of the regular season. And he was a really, really important player for them. Found the end zone, used him out of the backfield. He's another weapon for Mahomes, who, granted, they have more weapons this year, but he's the clear-cut number one guy. You know, mm-hmm. they still have Jarek McKinnon. They still have Clyde Edwards-Elair, but those guys are definitely going to be more situational. 
And if you can hop on the Isaiah Pacheco bandwagon where you can get him in the fourth round, fifth round, because you decide, hey, I'm going to go wide receiver, tight end, quarterback with my first three picks. And then you're like, hey, I'm going to oh, and, you know, so and so Mike Evans is on the board. So then you don't have a running back. You go into round five. Isaiah Pacheco's there. That's a really, really good value in someone who could easily end up being a top 10 running back. It's just impossible. Like J.K. Dobbins is another one of them at, at I was gonna say, 29, 30th. That's my delusional pick for uh, a guy who is just Always so is. I've been on him for so many years. I'm not off yet, guys. <laughs> I'm still on the J.K. Dobbins' elite bandwagon. This year, if he does not get 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, I have to give it up. So let, let's uh, let's do this then. Um, who is your – I don't. we'll call it sleeper, but we'll do a sleeper a ride or die and a stay away in each position group as we go across. So like who it. is, who is your sleeper? And it doesn't even have to be sleeper, but like someone that's made, again, as we've talked about the first, the top 30 of these guys are really weird. Who's that guy that you're, you're hopping on the bandwagon for that maybe other people are drafting later that you're kind of targeting. Mine's JK. Um, I, I think that's going to be, I mean, he, especially he's on that lower side. He's at 27. Listen, you can get him later. He's a starter, right? I know the quarterback runs a lot, but this offense, they're having him throw a little bit more. JK, if he's healthy, looked amazing. The problem is, is he healthy? So this is a situation where you're probably going to want to hand, uh, handcuff him, right? You're probably going to want to make sure you have rushing yards for the Ravens, <laughs> kind of, is how you're going to play this, this position. And uh, hope to God they don't rotate too much. That's for me, like JK, that late. If you're If you fluster in the draft, that's my guy. What about you, uh, for me, it, for me, it's the what I think will be the the bell cow back uh, in in Buffalo, and that's James Cook, uh, mm. who mm. who is going into his second year. Uh, he's got, and I know it's preseason, but he's got a forty percent target share uh, among receivers for the for the Bills in the preseason. He's been used as a three down back. Uh, they have uh, Damian Harris there now, but I expect James Cook to have a, a breakout year. Uh, akin to what he did toward the end of the year last year. That's an interesting one because he can do a little more out of the backfield catching the ball than Damian Harris can. Um, that the only concern there is going to be the touchdown steals. You know, yes, yeah, exactly. he got to snag yeah. away touchdowns. Um, I have a couple here that I want to throw out. Um, this is going to sound. No. <laughs> Ezekiel hey. Elliott was going yeah, to be the too. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and look, here's the thing. I, I know people really like Ramondre Stevenson um, coming out of Oklahoma. He was definitely a little more of like, it's, he was a hard player to describe, just really violent runner. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't really fit perfectly in the Oklahoma system, the Lincoln Riley system, but he seemed to have kind of emerge and find himself a home in New England. I feel like we have a pretty good read on Bill Belichick. And when he brings in these veteran guys who, you know, maybe look like they're tailing off from one team, he brings them back and he finds ways to utilize him. Ezekiel Elliott was a good player last year. All right. I understand why everyone wanted Tony Pollard. Cowboys fans wanted Tony Pollard to touch the ball more. There's more he can do at this point in his career. But Zeke was a really, really good football player for that team. And when you think about the offenses that Bill O'Brien ran when he was in New England the first time, having a couple of running backs that can help work play action off of like, that's exactly what Ezekiel Elliott will do for Mac Jones. And they're trying to make things easy for Mac Jones. They have a good offensive line in new England. I, I think, slot 
is going to help that a lot too. Absolutely. I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to get a significant amount of snaps. I don't think it's yeah. going to be just – that's why, like, I would not draft Ramondre Stevenson in the first round or even, like, no. second round probably. Like, he's one of my stay-away guys because I just – I don't trust a New England running back that high. It's the same thing with Damian Harris last year. And, look, now he's on a whole new team. So, I love Zeke. Um, one that you could make an argument is probably more of a handcuff, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Jalen Warren, the uh, running back out of Pittsburgh. I told you all about him at Oklahoma State when he was a rookie last year. Looked awesome when in the preseason. When he filled in for Najee Harris during that stretch when he was banged up last year, he was good. And all he's done in the preseason so far is continue to show that. Low center of gravity, catches the ball great out of the backfield, really good blocking player for his size can run it between the tackles. I think we're going to see a lot more Jalen Warren uh, this year than we than people think. And the last one I'll throw out there, Deontay Foreman. People are going to think when you're thinking about Chicago, right, this team is Justin Fields, nothing's there, pull it down, run. Uh, David Montgomery was a really solid, consistent fantasy player when he was in Chicago, right? And that was even with the first two years of Justin Fields. I think this year we're going to see – a healthy dose of running game to help open up stuff in the passing game. There's a couple of guys you can look for. Khalil Herbert. They have receivers. Yeah. yeah Her- Herbert Khalil, Khalil Herbert is a great player. They also drafted the rookie Roshan Johnson. Um, so there's, there's no saying who's going to be that top guy, but I'll tell you what, since he was in Tennessee and in Carolina last year, and now in Chicago, Deontay Foreman is a really strong, physical, consistent player. I think taking a chance on any of the three Chicago running backs is a good idea because I think there's a chance one of them, especially later in the draft, one of those guys popped off. All right, let's move to wide. Uh, oh, no, that was sleepers. Uh, stayaways. Who is an absolute stay away for you guys? Uh, you actually took it from Andre Stevenson. Mm. Uh, that, to me, it's just clear because I, I like Zeke. I, it, it's the same case where I think – I actually think Brees Hall's a stay away because I I don't know the Dalvin Cook situation yet. If they fall, cool. If not, I'm I'm not going to play that game. I'm not. You can't spend a top five draft pick and have them just not get carries or touches. You just can't do it. Yeah. Uh yeah. My stay away is going to be Josh Jacobs. I said it in the in the preview on uh uh on Tuesday's podcast. Is I, I just don't think uh with Jimmy G under center that there's going to be a enough running opportunity, uh, and B uh, enough. Uh, he had he was in in at the top of the near the top of the league uh, last year with a sixteen percent target share. I don't think that happens again uh, with Jimmy G under center. Um, he's going to be looking to get the ball out quick, especially after they drafted a tight end. They've got Devontae Adams, so like uh, that's that's where Jimmy's going to be looking first. I don't think the run game is as good. Uh, I don't think the run game is ex- as explosive as it will be or as it was last year for Josh Jacobs. He's my stay away. Yeah, and he was going to be mine as well. Really bad offensive line. And I know the offensive line wasn't great last year. Um, It might be a little bit worse this year. Uh, The one thing I I would say is, like, if if you're making the pro-Josh Jacobs argument, the best season of his career was under Josh McDaniels. Maybe maybe there's a difference there between Gruden and then Josh McDaniels. Maybe – could be scheme, could be a million different things, but uh, he was also going to be my stay away. So I'll throw in uh, another one. Uh, I'll say Alvin Kamara. Um, obviously, you, you're missing him from three games right off the bat. I don't think he's going to be a, a – he'll probably be a third or fourth round pick for most people. I think his ADP right now is 50. All right, so it's definitely falling a little bit further down the board. Um, 
But look, there's going to be people that talk themselves into like he was the number one fantasy player like three years ago. Why wouldn't I take a flyer on this guy? There's a reason he's been banged up. His body seems to be a little bit different. And, you know, again, you're missing him from, for three games. So if if you're OK, if you're loaded at running back or you're, you're happy with your team and you can stash him late, you know, seventh, eighth round, he's still on the board. I don't hate it, um, but the likelihood of that happening, someone's going to talk themselves into it. So stay away from Alvin Kamara. Uh, and then who's your ride or die? Number one guy that you you're like, this is the guy I believe in the most in the running back room right now. Huh. Oh God! Pure runner. I know what yours is. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know. Like I, I think, you know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Nick Chubb. They're gonna use the shit out of him. He's been consistent the last couple of years. If he's been on the field, Kamara's or uh, not Kamara, Hunt's not there to back him up this year. I think he's for that reason, he's going to get a lot more touches even than he did when he was healthy last year. I like it. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick my guy. Yeah. My Penn Stater, uh, Saquon Barkley. (laughs) Interesting. But I knew you would. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, look, I, I just think uh, after, after the tumultuous offseason, look, he's not the only pissed off running back, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, I think there's there's not only something to to prove little chip on the shoulder, which when he's playing with that, uh, I, I've seen he's one of the most elite players in the league. He's got a better offensive line, uh, and, and Brian Dable only gets uh, better and better as he as he coaches. So the more he learns, the more uh, experimental I think he'll be, and I think you'll see. Uh, we said this in the NFC East preview a little bit uh, of a of a different wrinkle type deal in the, in the, uh, in the New York Giants offense. I think Saquon's my guy. It's weird to say, but I think Saquon might be like the safest of the top 10 running backs, which is, is feels dangerous. But like, I think his baseline is what he was last year, which was a really, really good football player. Um, My ride or die, like the guy I'm like, I'm just going with this guy. I just, I see visualize. I think it's going to be really, really good. And it's crazy because it's a rookie, and normally I don't like doing this with rookies, but I'm taking Bijan Robinson. Wow. Yeah. Um, Why every not? every clip I've seen of him playing with NFL players uh, with NFL speed, whether it's training camp stuff, preseason stuff, he looks every ounce of the part. And with a young quarterback, they're going to use him in the screen game. Um, we know what uh, Arthur Smith likes when it comes to having a true stud running back when he was the offensive coordinator and play caller in Tennessee what he did with Derrick Henry. I think Bichon's going to be a really, really valuable guy. And it, it's just one of those guys you see it on film and it just makes sense. No injury history. Uh, I'm rolling with, uh, with Bichon. I also, one last sleeper I want to throw in there, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn. I agree. And if you, and if you take Tony Pollard, get the handcuffs out, take yeah. Deuce Vaughn with you, because I'm telling He's you right now, deuce. like, <laughs> Like oh, you'll get him in the 11th, 12th round in your league, and yes. you'll be or later. thanking us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, be thanking I, us. I know everyone's always like, ah, oh, next anytime you see a short running back, you're like, next Darren Sproles. I'm like, this this dude actually could yes. be the next Darren Sproles. And I, the fact that he also came from uh Kansas State is just is just beautiful. Uh all right, let's move to the wide receivers. Um, much more depth here. Uh, and and I think what's fun about the wide receiver room is this year, this is what kind of makes or breaks a lot of teams. Is like, can you be on the, can you be ahead of the curve on a guy who's about to have a big blow up season? Last year, I was proud to say 
my favorite pick that I probably one of my favorite picks I ever had in fantasy taking Amon Ross St. Brown. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. He's an absolute fucking monster. But again, he was going in like third, fourth round last year. He was, I think, like the 20 something, 22nd, 23rd ranked wide receiver last year. Now he's up as the, in the top 10 as the number nine ranked wide receiver in the NFL, according to ESPN's PPR you know, overall charts. They also have him as the 17th overall best player. So it's fun. You can always kind of look ahead. You also have your old reliables. You have your Keenan Allens, Amari Coopers, uh, guys like Debo, who might be coming off a down year. But then there's a lot of fun guys here, too, that could that could shift some teams. So um, at the top here, are we in agreement with the – I think the top 10, you could have a lot of disagreement in terms of seeding them, but it feels like it's about right. So according to ESPN, it's Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, C.D. Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, A.J. Brown. That's your top 10. And then you have Jalen Waddle after that. And I think after Waddle is kind of where you're going to start to see a little bit of like, all right, true one A's and then a slight drop down to your one B type guys. But they're all number one wide receivers. Uh, yeah. Anyone anyone in that group that you think should not be there? CeeDee Lamb. Interesting. I really? love CD. I love CD Lamb. I love CD Lamb. I love CD Lamb. It's not his fault. I just think Dallas's offense is going to take a step back. Uh that's just for me. So like, and I think they have a couple, I, I don't know. I love CD. I think he he's up there, but if I, I, I just think when you look at the other guys, it's like AJ Brown, consistent, Stefan Diggs, consistent. Everyone else is elite and consistent. He's elite. I don't think he's as consistent as he needs to be to be compared with these guys. That's, that's it. It's hard to pick. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't, I think, and I think fall his, too far. his numbers dropped a little bit last year too, because of not having Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, all right, it's going to be you. And then they took the, sh- the the gamble on Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup tears his ACL at the end of the 2021 season. It affects – he was not the same guy when he came back in 2022. And then it kind of felt like, all right, if you can you know, keep a guy in front of C.D. Lamb, you know, you're still going to be good. C.D. Lamb's a hell of a player. Really, really, really good player. He's still going to put up good numbers. And I think this is a good year to kind of bounce back on him a little bit because they brought in Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, now two years removed from the ACL or year and a half removed from the ACL. I think there's a better chance that when you look at Dallas, you see, all right, well, now there's a bunch of guys you got to worry about in that passing game, which wasn't necessarily the case last year. I know they're really high on that tight end shoemaker as well. Um, but you're right. I mean, a lot of CD Lamb, it, it feels a boomer bust. And when you have more mouths to feed, that could open up bigger stuff for CD, but it also means less target share, right? So he's going to get less opportunities um, so I don't, I don't hate that pick. I, don't, I feel like I can, again, I can kind of play both sides of the coin on that one. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Scotty? Anyone in that top there... 10 that you, that you think that should not be there? No, no. I think that's, that's pretty spot on. Um, uh, yeah, look, those, those guys are top 10 for a reason. Uh, I, I think even your argument with CD lamb, like, uh, I think no matter what is in that offense, what that offense looks like. Uh, Dak's go-to is going to be him, and and he has the speed and the route running ability to to even look at Dak and just be like, just throw the ball, and Dak has enough talent to do that, and, and CD can go get it. That that would be my pushback against that, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't think that top ten's that far off. I mean, I don't, I can't, I, you know, there's a handful of guys you can throw in that 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 you would want to include in in that top ten. Um, yeah. Maybe, but uh, but but a lot of those guys are my sleepers. So, like I said, the, 
The only guy that I, I think I would move around and maybe not necessarily move out, but I'd move towards the bottom of the top 10 would be Garrett Wilson. Um, and I think for a lot of things, this is projecting forward, right? Guy wins offensive rookie of the year, obviously had a bunch of really, really nice plays with terrible quarterback plays. So you, the assumption is, all right, Aaron Rodgers comes in, upgrade a quarterback. This team's a quarterback away. That offensive line is still not very good, <laughs> you know, and, and how much time is but Aaron Garrett Rodgers Wilson was elite with, with, a mediocre quarterback all year, which, which I understand, but elite, like, I, I don't think C- Garrett Wilson was a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy last year in points. I think he was just outside. I think the expectation having him go as high as he is, is there's a lot of buzz around the New York jets, right? During the, right. the, the show I run for serious, right? We're doing in the summer. We do summer hours. So instead of 7am to 9am that we're live, we're live from 8am to 10am. So I was able to watch all summer, all of the get up coverage when I had the TV on. And obviously it's grainy. Who's a, you know, a jets fan every fucking day. They <laughs> talked about the New York jets. They talked I about the New it. York jets. I believe it. They talked about the New York jets literally. And this is no exaggeration. 15 times more than they talked about the Dallas Cowboys, which is saying a lot. All right. They have, they have blood in the water. It's the storyline. It's the only thing the media has been talking about it. And look, media and, and all that stuff affects how, drafts across the world and across the country are, are being played out, right? If you're seeing nothing but the Jets all the time, people are going to start overdrafting Garrett Wilson, which is not to say that Garrett Wilson isn't really good, but the two guys after him are Amon Ross St. Brown and A.J. Brown. And I know that Jared Goff and Jalen Hurts are going to are, are going to be behind the number one and number two offensive lines in football yeah. and have really I, creative offenses and are going to get the ball to those guys more often. I think both of them are more valuable fantasy players and there's going to be people who take Garrett Wilson ahead of CD lamb ahead of Stefan Diggs. I don't, I don't know on their website. It has him as 10 in the thing I'm looking at because this I think the, to your point, this is the Mike uh, maybe on an old one, one. Yeah. Yeah. I think clay. So clay has, there's one that has the average of all of the guys. Clay has him at eight. You're right. Um, there's one that does an average of all their guys and they have him at 10. Cause to your point, I think ESPN is saying what you're saying, Jeff, where they're like, Michael Clay's overrating Garrett Wilson a little bit. I'm on Ross St. Brown, AJ Brown. The Browns well, are better. The reason I like going <laughs> off of Mike Clay is because he's like, he's the guy that came up with the full like statistician breakdown of everything. Kind of like Kirk oh, Goldsberry okay. and ESPN. Like he, he's yeah. so statistics driven that his list is based purely off of <laughs> analytics and projections. And so I like to see the projections list and then kind of, put in my own feel and, and outside knowledge into it to kind of base it off of, you know? No. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I think you ended up with ESPN. I can you just say one thing. Yeah. Like in reflection. And I know we say it a lot during the year, the fact that Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase were on a college team with Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson is going to be one too. It's, it's honestly the most ridiculous thing to play out from college into the NFL that I've seen in my entire lifetime. Yeah. It's the only thing that comes close to the, the, the Oh one Miami hurricanes team. I, to me, that LSU team is the best team I ever saw in my life. I was too young to, to fully yes, grasp same. the significance of the Miami teams. Um, because when you look at those guys and the Miami guys were defensive in our, there's no argument to say it's the best offensive college football team of all time. And right. I know Especially they'll be fantasy and drafting and all like, Oh my God. It's, oh my it's God. <laughs> Last question about the top 10 guys. Any concern these two guys, both in similar situations, um, both have been considered top class wide receivers for a long time. Would you have any hesitation drafting Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams, 
you know, in the first round based off of, again, different quarterbacks, declining quarterbacks, bad offensive lines, any hesitation? None at all. None. None at all. None. Uh, none. Uh, Matthew Stafford is as capable as they come when he's healthy. Uh, Jimmy G is going to get you the ball. I mean, Devontae Adams was the highest getting wide receiver in target share uh, with 30% uh among all wide receivers in the NFL. And I don't think any of that changes just because they went out and got Jacoby Myers and, uh, and, and drafted a tight end. I, yeah, I think I'll... Jimmy G who, and, and this is his experience. He looks for his guy. And if you have a guy like Devonte Adams on that team, Niners never had anybody like that when Jimmy G was there. Patriots never had anybody like that when Jimmy G was with the Patriots. So uh, I think that's gotta be the guy. I'd actually yeah. take Adams above Cup, by the way. I, I would too. Look, I, it's not to say that like I don't trust them, but if let's say, again, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase are off the board. The numbers tell you draft Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams next. I'm taking Tyreek Hill out of those three. Yes. Uh, then I might even take Stephon would yeah, And then, and then I, would, I would take Devontae after that. I would even consider taking A.J. Brown ahead, yeah. of, ahead of those guys. You know, I'm taking the younger guy with a quarterback who like the the connection between Hertz and AJ Brown is as good as any in the NFL. You're getting touchdown opportunities. You're getting a guaranteed thousand yards. You're getting a guaranteed 75 to, to 100 catches. And you're probably going to get close to 10 touchdowns like that value is huge. Uh, and, and especially with the deep ball stuff. I mean, there's just, there's a lot there not to say that Cooper cup won't have an, another awesome year. He's a stud, but he's also almost 30, you know, Devonte Adams is 30 years old and now he's playing in a new, you know, second year in a new scheme with a new quarterback. I agree with you, Scotty, like Jimmy G is going to get the ball out, but I'm worried it's going to be. And again, in PPR league, you might be okay with this, right? You might be okay with 10 catches for 80 yards and, and a touchdown. That's going to be a huge day in fantasy. So you still might be okay that with every that. week. I, I right? would be fine with that. But the top end of that may not necessarily be there. So it's more, more out of curiosity. I'll tell you this. Like I would rather take Cooper Cup, Devontae ahead of CeeDee Lamb, Garrett Wilson, mm. probably Amon Ra, you know. Yeah. Um, and I would say, uh, you oh, know, the, I, the AJ I Brown decision. There. Okay. Well, really? so yeah. Amon, Amon Ra and AJ Brown are my two favorite wide receivers outside yeah. of obviously the top two guys. I, I would agree. In, I, in the class I think, this year. I think both of those, Amon and, uh, and, uh, uh, AJ Brown could be league winners. I really do. Uh, just just the fact that they they will have the amount of of targets that they're going to get. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, is is elite. I think he was top three in um, amount of uh, fantasy points per route run uh, over the last two seasons. I love and, stats. And, <laughs> stat. I love and, that. And <laughs> that's. That's hard to beat. I mean, you're talking about he's better than than Devontae. He's better than Tyree Kill, who both have big playability, uh, and who both outscored him in fantasy. But he has he has the most fantasy points per route run. And well, and on on top of that too, I was listening to Matthew Barry and uh, who you know the Sultan of, of fantasy football. He was saying since his breakout game, which was the overtime or the 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 walk off winner in 2021 when Detroit hadn't had a uh, hadn't had a win yet. I think they were 0-10-1 and uh, in Dan Campbell's first year, and then they beat the Vikings on the walk-off touchdown that he, that Amon Rob caught. Since then, and overall, I believe it's receptions and targets, the only player who has more uh, targets and receptions than uh, 
Amonra St. Brown is Demonte Adams. And the only player who has more touchdowns than Amonra St. Brown was Justin Jefferson and Devonte Adams. Actually, sorry, the first one was Justin Jefferson. So we're talking about a guy who could be a top three tight end who could fall yeah. to the end of the first round. Yeah, just keep yeah. keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, <laughs> all right, in this second tier of guys, it's interesting because right after you get outside the top ten, you start getting there are three teams whose number two wide receivers are ranked between ten and twenty, and that is Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, and T Higgins. Um, those three guys have proven to be plenty valuable in both on the field and actual football and in fantasy. I'll ask the same question. Any concern drafting any three of those guys between Jalen Waddle, T Higgins and Devonta Smith, because what years of fantasy has taught us is that taking a number two wide receiver typically means that you are going to be getting less target share, less opportunities in the red zone, less big plays, less yards. But all three of those guys were thousand yard receivers last year in their own right with uh, with Devontae Smith catching over a hundred balls. That's a massive difference. Uh, and obviously we know the deep play effect that Jalen Waddle has for that Miami team. Any concern with those three guys being drafted as a potential wide receiver one or wide receiver two? Definitely not for wide receiver two, but more so right, for wide receiver one. This is I have to eat a little bit of pride here because I've always believed your number one has to be a number one. I have come to change that opinion based off of the last two to three seasons, really. Um, and to your point, these guys who are number twos for elite quarterbacks, that's for me what it comes down to. So when you're talking mm-hmm. about Joe Burrow and uh, Jalen Hurts, and I mean, I, I don't, Tua less so, but I think Jalen Waddle is that talented. Um, the offense was that productive, I guess is a better way to put it, where those number twos are that valuable. But I personally, like, yes, they, they can be drafted there. Um, I've never done it. This might be the first year I do, to your point, Jeff, because I believe that, like, if you're thinking about Waddle or Higgins, like, what what about Metcalf, Chris Olave, Keenan Allen, to me, is like, like I would rather take him over those guys. So it's, well, so it's that very makes, weird how it breaks down, right? That was going to be my next question, which is that would you rather have a Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith over Debo, over Chris Olave, over DK, over Calvin Ridley, even right, DeAndre Hopkins. Would you would you rather take the risk on taking a number two guy? Keeping in mind too that if something happens to Jamar Chase or AJ Brown or uh, Tyreek Hill, that all of a sudden they their value goes from being a guy who's probably a wide receiver one already to now he is the guy immediately after like. I don't, I don't I, know. I, which would you yeah. rather have? Would you rather have the true number one in a DK or would you rather would. have Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith? I'd rather have the one. Uh, uh, like you, you mentioned a guy like Chris Olave, uh, who had a, an electric rookie year. He averaged 2.49 uh, yards per route run last year, which is fifth among all rookie receivers of all time behind A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, OBJ, and Jamar. Uh that alone, his big playability, his his route running ability, uh, I know he's going to go get fantasy points for me, especially with a better quarterback. No offense, Vito. I know how much you love Jameis, but uh, with a better quarterback like Derek Carr. Uh, don't say that. You don't, you don't say that. <laughs> hey, it pains me to say that, too. I've been bagging on Derek Carr this entire yeah, you have. 200 episodes <laughs> of this podcast. So 
uh, <laughs> like I, I I'd rather take the upside of knowing I have a one and and, and it's very specific. I, I there's probably a handful of guys, including Chris Olave, um, that I would throw in that mix, but I'd rather have him over I wouldn't say T, but I would take Olave over uh over Devontae for sure. And that's what makes it so interesting, right? Because I, I think ultimately it comes down to I don't think you can have that clear cut answer. That's kind of why I asked the question. Cause Vita, you were saying like, I think traditional pe- people have been playing fantasy for the last, yeah. like, I've been playing since I was in fourth grade. So how old are you when you're in fourth grade? Like 10, Ten. nine, nine. <laughs> right. So like I've been playing fantasy for 14 years, which is weird enough <laughs> in its own. Right. But I've always thought the same thing. It's like, well, number one versus the number two, you're going to take that. But the NFL is not that way anymore. You know, T. Higgins is just as valuable as as DK Metcalf. The targets are there for them both. That's the difference, right? Now to 10 years ago, you didn't have the amount of targets to go around. Yeah. And now you do. It's very different. You had your Brandon Marshalls who when he was it when yes. he was with Miami or Chicago that he had like Denver the, that he had the he had 20, 19, Denver, the 20, yeah. 19 catches or whatever it was. 2023, 20, I think, for us. 23. It was crazy. Broke yeah, the record. Like, the T.O. days, the Chad Johnson days, like they're they're not here anymore. You know, like that's those were days that you were drafting like Priest Holmes number one overall because yeah. it would give you two back in the day. Like Christian Zada was the great <laughs> number two. That was he was he might have he's wide receiver two, but he went in the fourth round, not not literally the first or second round for a number two. Yeah. And and things where you're going to have what I also think if you're playing in a league like that, maybe monitor that kind of a trend. Right. Like. If, if you're seeing like guys who who have no wide receivers and they're in the second round and Jalen Waddles on the board and they decide to draft DK over him, that might be a chance where you can go ahead and sneak in and grab a guy like Jalen Waddle or Devonte, who you know is going to put up, especially in a PPR league. I mean, Devonte again, Devonte had over 100 catches last year. He he broke the record for single season catches of an eagle, like, and that's the number two wide receiver technically, but that's. The mindset also now is that there's no such thing for teams that have this. I think for Miami, for Cincy, for Philly, they don't view it as a number one and a number two. They view it as a one and a one or a one A and a one B. You know, because I think in like Cincinnati's case, like Jamar Chase versus T. Higgins, like Jamar is that much better. But T. Higgins is also really, really, really good. And with how much they're throwing the ball now, it's going to be a huge, huge difference. Um but in that second kind of category, right, we're looking at guys who are going to be those wide receiver twos. Um, who gets you the most kind of revved up? You know, like I feel like the DK excitement has kind of subsided a little bit. You have Debo coming off of a bit of a down year from a fantasy standpoint. Again, and hit, like I said last podcast, you know, if, if Debo's calling himself fat, then what does that mean for me? What does that mean for all of us regular people, uh, not the superhumans? Um, and then you have this kind of group of older receivers who've been there for a while, right? Your Keenan Allens, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, Mike Evans. Who in that tier? Like, are you going for all reliable or are you going for someone who's going to give you more upside? I'm looking at DeAndre Hopkins because I don't know what he is, but I love them. I love a good mystery box in who, life. And who's I love a good to? just who cares? It's DeAndre Tannehill. Hopkins. Look, Tan- yeah, Look Tannehill's at, I mean, better oh. than than a lot of options he's had in his career, right? Like in Kyler. Well, I'll say this: in, not when as he bad. Was, when he was in tennis or when he was in Texas early on, when he was in Houston. Uh, Pre Deshaun, yeah, yeah, before Deshaun, he had a rough couple goes there, and I think that uh, this is way better. 
the guy I don't know what to do with in this range that we're talking about from like, you know, really 15 to 30 probably is the guy I don't know what to do. with. So I, I love for whatever reason, Hopkins, because I think I'm one of the guys who it's hard to let go of the old productive dudes. So I'm in on him. The guy I don't know what to do with is Christian Watson because he's a true number one. He's going to get his targets, but we just, we don't know what Jordan Love is yet. And like, the thing is, is that the Packers, so everyone says, oh, well, they're so good at going from one legendary quarterback to another. It's not the same GM. The GM has changed since like the guy who got uh, Brett Favre and then went to drafted Aaron Rodgers. He left during like towards 2017. I don't know. Sometime later 2010s. Uh, he's not the same guy there anymore. The organization is great, but it's very rare like to get three Hall of Famers in a row. Good for them if they do it, but I, I just think the odds are a little bit against them, and I don't know whether to take him super high because he's a number one, and I, am I too old school? Do I need to change my thought? I don't know. It's a great point because I think he's one of the hardest wide receivers to try to figure out because the sample size of him being really good basically was like the last seven to eight games of the year, right? It, it's kind of Brock Purdy-esque. You know, and and at the time he's playing that with Aaron Rodgers, but and Aaron Rodgers, who was one foot out the door, who clearly was not staying and had no interest in staying in Green Bay. You know, they had a chance to go. But like there were moments that we saw, you know, uh, Christian Watson really peaked that explosive speed that he had that, you know, I the the game against the Eagles where Jordan Love comes in and he runs that drag route and, you know, Breed Blankenship took a bad angle. Next thing, a boom, he's he's turned up the sidelines and no one's touching him. And he had that stretch of it was like six consecutive weeks where he had a touchdown. And we just kept sitting here being like, what the hell is happening with Christian Watson? Like, it's hard to kind of put an evaluation on a guy like that, because in a lot of ways, it's it, it reminds me a little bit of Gabe Davis from last year where Gabe Davis had that awesome stretch at the end of the season where he's just scoring touchdowns left and right. And everyone seems to be big Gabe Davis fans. And then he comes out last year and it's like, yeah, he was kind of just kind of boomer bust. And now I don't know where you can get Gabe Davis, probably somewhere in the, in the forties, it looks like. Uh, yeah. He's currently ranked 49th according to Mike Clay um, and, in a PPR league, which, you know, say, say what you will, but that's, that's, a little scary. It's, it's definitely a high risk or does it turn into an Amon Ross St. Brown situation yep. where we're going to be talking about a year ago? Well, since, you know, week 12 of 2022, all the way through the 2023 season, Christian Watson's the number three t- wide receiver in fantasy. Like there's a world where that happens. So much of it, of course, comes down to who is Jordan Love? What does he look like? If he looks as good as he has in the preseason, then they found something here, man. They have, and he's made some tough throws and some really, really good coverage, which there's very few things you can take away from from preseason football. But some of the touch throws that Jordan Love has made have been really impressive. Uh, And if Christian Watson becomes the lead guy there, you know, could this be the the beginning of the next, you know, maybe not Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, but something uh, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown? Could it be the the beginning of the next version of that? It it might. It might. Um, But all the tools are there. So much of it's going to come down to what does Jordan Love look like uh, as the starting quarterback of the Packers? And you're right, Vito. It's it's obviously it's a it's a much different organization than it's been in the past. Um, I think in that same lane here too, and this is someone who has kind of become the draft darling in fantasy is Calvin Ridley. Everybody loves Calvin Ridley, 
Everyone remembers how good he was at Bama. Everyone remembers the years where he and Julio were together and how nasty that wide receiver combo was. He obviously hasn't played. I believe it was October of 2021 was the last time we saw uh, we saw Calvin Ridley play on an NFL field. Look, that could mean a lot of different things. That could mean a lot of rust. That could mean a lot of rest. That could mean he's going to not have the same juice to him as he did. It could mean he's going to be more explosive than we've ever seen him. It's really hard to pinpoint exactly what we're going to see out of Calvin Ridley this year. But what we do know is that the upside with the development of Trevor Lawrence and a wide receiver that we've seen play yeah. in the elite level feels like it's going to kind of crash courses to a really, really dynamic with, duo. Especially with Doug Peterson there. Mm-hmm. I, I think as long as that progression keeps going with him and Trevor Lawrence, uh, the better that offense is going to be, whether it's Christian Kirk as your one or Calvin Ridley. Um, but the talent, you're absolutely right, is 100% there with Calvin Ridley. I think that's why everybody's so high on this this combination. Yeah, I, I'm a, I, I look, I personally am a believer that it's going to work because what Trevor Lawrence was able to do with Christian Kirk, who by all intents and purposes is a, is a take the top off the defense kind of guy and can do a little bit more than that. I kind of put him in that like Jeremy Macklin kind of world mm. where like a really, really solid, dependable guy, deep threat. You can kind of use him a few ways, but he's not. I, I, that's probably an insult to Jeremy Macklin. Macklin was probably a better wide receiver overall, but kind of in that, like that zone. Um, and, but it was Christian Kirk and it was Zay Jones and, you know, Jamal Agnew out of the backfield. Like Trevor Lawrence was, they doing all do a the lot. same thing. <laughs> like... Yeah. And Evan Ingram. And now, okay, now we got a true number, a, a guy that we think is going to be a true number one, a legitimate number two in Christian Kirk, and then a good number three in Zay Jones plus Evan Ingram, that should be a really high-powering offense, which I think is going to drive some of Trevor Lawrence's draft stock up uh, in, in the fantasy world. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Vito, what are your Calvin Ridley thoughts? I love him. I absolutely love him. He's a degenerate. He gambles. He's my kind of guy. I would love to have him on my team. Um, that's about it. He's, I mean, he's a veto cool. pick, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> He's a jag. He's he's a great route runner, super quick. Everything about him I love, like everything. Um, he's one of my favorite players in the NFL. I think the fact that he was out for a year is a shame. I hope he comes back and gets every bonus in his contract. Um, I think he had a quote saying, like, he's ready to gain back what he lost last year. And then the mm. comment was, like, such a degenerate gambler quote, right? Like, <laughs> Sound but, like uh, Phil Mickelson. Welcome, brother. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's he's one of us. So no, I I'm, I'm a huge fan. Um, there's currently the- currently being drafted 43rd overall. 43.1 is his ADP on ESPN Fantasy Leagues right now. That's, Has him. That's gonna had, go up by the end of the month. <laughs> I mean, it very well could. And look, depending on when your draft is, like, I'll say this. Obviously, it's you know, it's every league is different, so statistics don't necessarily apply to the individual, but. Mm-hmm. A really useful tool when you're when you're prepping for your draft. Look at ADP because I promise we all think we're we're the generic white guy who has different football takes than everyone else. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. There's there's a lot of people like us who have the same exact thoughts and the same things. Exactly same thing with the media stuff with why Jets players and Aaron Rodgers all this stuff's kind of getting driven up. Um, that's a good one. It's a good metric uh, to give you an idea. From where he started before they opened up drafts for ESPN, from now, he has jumped up 
10 spots on his ADP. The next closest within the top 30 wide receivers is four. Okay, so he's being drafted ahead 10 more spots on average than where ESPN initially had him ranked. So keep that in mind because that number is going to continue to go. Most of these guys, it's like like DeAndre Hopkins plus three and a half, Christian Watson plus three and a half, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin minus one point uh, eight. It, that's kind of what it is. Chris Olave's plus four point eight. Calvin Ridley right now plus nine point eight draft spots ahead of where he op- they opened at. So crazy. Um, follow those trends because it's going to give you an idea of where people in your draft are looking to try to trying to draft them. Um, sorry, Vito, some of the other people you were talking about in that middle middle zone, because I want to get to some of those other guys after that, too. Yeah, I, I think that the guys who I just want to touch on were like, I mean, what, what were we saying? Uh, stay away, like your, your sleeper, stay away, whatever. But I, I think my for me, like. This isn't a sleep. My sleeper is Cortland Sutton. Everyone's still <laughs> on Judy. I know he's coming back. He was injured again. But if he is healthy, he's still our best option. Um, Tim Patrick went down for Denver. I think Cortland Sutton's going to have the season we thought he should have had last year. And then George Pickens, just everyone's been on him. It seems like he had a great end of the year, um, but he's low. He's a Pittsburgh number one guy, and, and he's still way down on the draft. So you can get, again, a guy with first – oh, is he their number two? Well, Deontay Johnson is, oh, current, Deontay, is, is kind sorry. of listed which, as Which is one, one of my – that was my answer, one of my answers to your question, Jeff, was Deontay. Yeah, no, I, I I just think that he's better. I think he's going to end up getting more, even if not more targets. This, I don't think. Uh, I think he's going to get the. You mean, more you're production. talking about Pickens still? Yeah, Pickens will get more than than Johnson. Sorry. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I want to find what his ADP is at because he's another one. Yeah. Right. So, uh, all right. So right now he's kind of hung around. He's being projected at eighty-seven point nine overall, uh, which is only 0.7 up from what people thought. So, um. I don't know if there's enough. Pe- it feels he's another one that feels like he had a he had a sick catch in pre in the training camp that got caught on video going over Joey Porter Jr. Um, that was absolutely filthy. Uh, I I have the sneaking suspicion like if I'm drafting a wide receiver from Pittsburgh, I'm taking George Pickens. Like he's he to me is the guy that like if I'm if I'm gonna take because second year player. All of the skills were there at Georgia. He went later in the draft because of injury. Then he comes into this offense, rookie quarterback. They're not pushing the ball around. Mitch Trubisky for the first four or five games of the season, getting his feet wet. And now it's like, all right, he's established. He has the confidence. The dude's got plenty of swagger to him. He's got some fuck you edge to him, which I love. Um, George Pickens is one of my favorite players in the draft. But I have a feeling as more drafts come in, it's another one who's going to start creeping up higher and higher. Um, but Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, I mean, it feels like kind of a toss up. That to me is the classic example of like, do you take a bet on a guy whose trajectory is going up or do you take the old reliable Deont- you know, Deontay Johnson, who's probably going to give you 12 points a week? Um, who, who had I, I, zero touchdowns last year, which, which, which is crazy. I yeah. think is, is one of my points is like regression to the mean. And, and when yes. I say that, I'm talking about in the opposite way where like, there's no way that George pick or, uh, that Deontay Johnson ends gonna up going to go another year. This year. Completely uh, agree. And so I, I think he regresses back to the mean of his like 15 plus uh, fantasy points a game. Yeah. Uh, him and DJ Moore are two guys that I cite that like uh, are regression to the mean guys. DJ Moore now in Chicago with a good, th- <laughs> Justin Fields is a good thrower. 
we haven't seen it a ton because like he's had nobody to throw to uh, in Chicago. Justin Fields is a good thrower. Um, so I think those two guys jump back to, to, to their mean and, and DJ Moore, who's been an explosive receiver in fantasy uh, over the past few years will, will benefit from having uh, Justin Fields as his quarterback. He could, the, the or, or he guy. could drop off because right now, right now he's listed as like the 25th best wide receiver in fantasy. I think talent wise, he's much higher than that. Um, but you, again, it's yeah. a gamble on Justin Fields. If you're a Justin Fields believer, then DJ Moore could be a huge swing player in this in this draft. For sure. There's one guy that jumps out to me though uh, in this second or or third group even, um, and that's Drake London, a guy you love, Vito. Uh, Drake London had led led the team for the Falcons uh, with 28.2 uh, percent target share. He was that was third among all wide receivers in the National Football League all year. Uh, he made an immediate impact. He had 16 catches, 214 yards, and two touchdowns in his first three games. Atlanta stopped throwing the ball with with uh, with Marcus Mariota. Desmond Ritter came in. They started throwing the ball more, and all of a sudden, uh, Trey Clendon is, is getting 800 offensive snaps uh, and, and leading the the rookie class of wide receivers. He got an 83.2 PFF offensive grade. Uh, that's the second best for a rookie uh, behind Justin Jefferson and, and ahead of Jamar Chase. Uh, I, I really think that this guy can come in, especially with Desmond Ritter taking all the snaps. You, have, you still have no idea what you're getting out of Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts. Uh, I think this is a connection that you should look for uh, in, in fantasy. I, I think there's a lot of upside for for Drake London, um, especially with Bijan Robinson, who can open up a lot yeah. in that offense. I, I think Drake London reminds me a lot of like AJ Brown when he was young on Tennessee. Right? You had a, an offensive coordinator who was reluctant to throw the football because look, a, uh, Arthur Smith is just not he just does not like to throw the football and when he does it's very like it's not that he doesn't like to do it but like he he likes to set establish the running game right he kind of has that old school mentality but in a modern setting right hey we have a unique player here derrick henry now Bijan robinson we want to get that guy going and that's going to open up other stuff for us which it has um and that's kind of what the start of aj brown's career was i was skeptical of drake london coming out of usc but there were flashes last year that was like, okay, this this is a dude. There were a couple of plays, a couple of instances, a couple of games where you're like, okay, no, this dude has it, um, which was similar to A.J. Brown. The only difference is A.J. Brown was a second-round pick and, and Drake London was was obviously a top-10 pick, so the, the, the spotlight's a little bit bigger. Uh, before I get to the questions, and then we'll take a quick break after that, I wanted to ask you guys, um, I was trying to think about, like, what's the best way to describe this group? Because in running backs, it's typically like you have your top two guys, and then everything else kind of feels like a crapshoot. Whoever you can pick up on waivers, the the random Gus Edwards, right? You the, your Melvin Gordons, the guys who kind of pop in. Basically, whoever the third running back is on Baltimore, you're like, well, he might score a touchdown. Um, but for the most part, I just knocked my microphone over. Um, for the first part, like you're you're kind of used to those those top two guys. But then in the wide receiver room, you have like, all right, I have my top two guys and chances are right now those top two guys are going to be studs because there's so many good wide receivers in the league right now. But then there's those games where you're like, fuck, man, I got I got to play Jacoby Myers in my flex spot because I just don't have I don't have anyone else. And I got to hope that he has a good game here. And I'm, I'm calling this group 
the other guys, just like the movie, right? You know, remember the opening the monologue movie. in the in the movie, most underrated Will Ferrell movie of all time. Aim for the bushes. Aim for the bushes. Um, but the intro of that is Ice T talking about you have your, you know, you have your top, your wide receiver ones basically, which are Samuel Jackson, The Rock, and then you have the middle guys, which are going to be uh, Rob Riggle and uh, the Wayne's brother. He's like, and then you have the other guys. So who are the other guys in the wide receiver room? Who are the other guys where you're that you're excited about? Like someone that you're like, hey. This this could be the Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg of our wide receiver room here. Who who are the other guys that you're like, man, I'm gonna have to put this guy into my lineup. You're thinking about it now, week ten. God, I'm, I gotta I gotta be starting Juju Smith Schuster. Who are those guys to you that you're excited about? Could be rookies, could be you know long term vets who have just been solid. Who are guys in that other guys category? I think uh, one for me is is a guy who's coming back off of injury and had a decent end of the year last year is Michael Gallup. Interesting. Uh, I, I think he's, he's one of those guys you draft later in the, in, in, in the later rounds of a, a fantasy draft, hold him on your team and you, and you keep him as a flex option. Um, but you know, you're, you're praying he does well because he's like uh, bet- between CD and, uh, and whoever they're going to throw out at tight end and, uh, and Tony Pollard who can pat- catch the ball out of the backfield. Michael Gallup becomes the the third or fourth receiving option. Um, and I think Dak does well when he has guys like that. Uh, and, and I think Michael Gallup can have a, a bigger year than, than anticipated for that reason. So my guys are uh, <laughs> Michael Thomas because he's finally coming back and I love to say it and Jeff gets going every time. Michael Thomas is going to come back at some point. And this, why not? Why not this year? Why not us? Why not now? Um, but the other guy I actually really like for real is uh, Quentin Johnson, the rookie who's going to go uh, for the Chargers. Obviously, Mike Williams always has injuries. This is a guy who, when you were talking about the number twos, who could be a number one. This is a guy who's a number three who could get the ball, who could be a number two. May end up just taking the number two role anyway. Um, and in in that offense, I think they're going to use the ball in the air a lot more than they even did last year. I really like him. No, I I actually agree, especially with, with Mike Williams. Uh, with his injury history, um, vehemently disagree about Michael Thomas. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I, I have a couple guys in that category. Um, one, Darnell Mooney from Chicago. Um, I, I like the idea of him kind of helping stretch out the field. He's going to get a lot less attention thrown his way. He was the de facto number one basically last year for Chicago. Now you're going to have DJ Moore. He's going to fill that number two route. He's been really good when he gets the ball in his hands. I think if Justin Fields, and if you believe in Justin Fields, uh, I think he's someone who's going to kind of take that next, uh, maybe not next step, but he's going to be one of those guys, because I don't want to keep using the same vernacular, but like he's one of those guys that's going to get more opportunity and easier opportunities. Right, He got a lot of targets last year, but he's going to get easier opportunities because the whole offense is going to feel easier easier with DJ Moore on the sidelines. Um, who else did I have on this list? Uh, this one might come as a surprise, but I, I think just, again, based off of if you're in a pinch and you're going to be betting on someone a little bit old, reliable, Adam Thielen. Look, Adam Thielen's yeah. currently being oh, – no. uh, Currently being drafted around 120-ish. Um, he's got a rookie quarterback. Adam Thielen gets opens. It gets open. If you're in a pinch and you need a guy who's going to get five catches for 60 yards and you're in a PPR league and you need 11 points, like 
that's pretty decent production towards the end of the season. I'm not afraid of drafting Adam Thielen at this point because I think more likely than not, it's either going to be him or Mims or sorry or Jonathan Mingo as the the true number one for that Carolina team. Even with the rookie quarterback, I think a safety blanket is a really really valuable type of thing in this situation. That's exactly what he is, and uh, I'll throw in the other one who again kind of falls into under that whole old reliable category. Uh, and that's Tyler Lockett, who seemingly gets forgotten about every single year. And currently, Tyler Lockett's being <laughs> drafted near the 70th pick, right? And all Tyler Lockett's going to do is catch 60 to 80 balls for all eight, 800 to 1,000 yards and probably eight touchdowns. And you're going to be able to draft him super late in your draft in an offense that projects to be very, very good this year. Uh, all right. Sleepers. Scotty, we'll start with you. Uh, Elijah Moore out of uh, Ooh, Cleveland. I almost picked him as one of my guys, but I think at that point he's going to be too good. Yeah, Make the case. Uh, I, I, uh, I just think that uh, alongside Amari Cooper especially, uh, there's going to be uh, a point to prove for, for Deshaun Watson, his quarterback, uh, to be able to be as effective as he was in Houston. And I think that doesn't come unless – and I can make the case for, for Donovan Peoples-Jones too, who you love, Vito. Uh, as well uh, in that receiving core. But um, but I think coming from from uh, an offense where he was very effective uh, in, in New York uh, with the Jets, I think coming to to a spot where he has a legit quarterback, uh, he's, he's an exceptional route runner. Um, he, he's going to see a good target share as a, as a number two receiver, I think. Uh, Amari Cooper did a lot of work last year to help that passing game. Uh, and having a guy like Elijah Moore, who's who's an effective route runner around, will only open that up a little bit more for both of them. Uh, so I think he's a guy to to look for that can be uh, uh, a guy who can be you know even as a possession receiver. Just if you're looking for a, a 15 to 16 point guy uh, a week uh, when the season averages out, I think uh, that's that's when you would look to Elijah Moore. I like it. What are you, Vito? Uh, I got Rashad Bateman. Mm. And I think it's just that he had the injury last year. He was killing it before that. Um, he uh, says his target share was 18.8% before he went out, which is awesome. Uh, and I, I just really liked him. Obviously, they have Zay Flowers. They have other people. They, they brought in OBJ. But, like, Bateman was there. He was doing really well. And his draft stock has plummeted since obj got to baltimore i think this could be one of the situations where you this guy ends up with the most yards out of this entire receiving group and he is way down so yeah you're you're you know you're throwing a risk but i like it uh no i i like that pick a lot i think it's a good one um i have two for you one that is going to be you know kind of will 100 be drafted but i think it's just kind of a big year uh and then one that's a little deep deeper than that um Jahan Dodson y'all y'all's guy from Penn State mm-hmm. um I know I'm a little biased because I I went and saw him play at Maryland and he I granted he had like three touchdowns in that game and was just an was absolute fucking monster Who didn't? that was a it was a 59 nothing blowout take that Terps no it wasn't it was a close game that was the, that was a different year yeah yeah, yeah it was it was a close it was a close game um but Jahan Dodson Maryland still sucks uh, Tal- Talia played really well that that day. Um, but Jahan Dotson, look, I 
part of this ties into the fact that I'm a believer of Sam Howell. Um, I loved him in North Carolina. I, I think I don't think he's going to be as good as the version that we saw against Dallas at the end of the year last year, but I think he's going to work up towards it. I think he's an improvement at the quarterback position for Washington. I think he's going to be the starter for all 17 games, as per, you know, health permitting. Uh, and I think Jahan Dotson's going to have a really, really good season. Uh, and look, in terms of him, Terry McLaurin got turf toe. Uh, we that's a that's an injury that lingers. Uh, and I think we're going to see start of the season. Jahan Dotson is going to have some big plays. I expect a big year out of Jahan Dotson. Uh, and then the other one, this is deep. I think he, I'm trying to look up where his ADP is right now because it's far. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah, he's not even in the top 100 wide receivers being drafted. Isaiah Hodgins, the wide receiver for the New York Giants. He got picked up off of waivers in the middle of the season last year and finished out the season for the Giants, averaging almost 10 catches a game in the last six <laughs> games of the season. All right. This is a wide receiver team that like people are like, oh, well, they brought in Paris Campbell. So it's going to be tough for Isaiah Hodgins to get touches. Bullshit. Jalen Hyatt, the rookie out of Tennessee. Like I know they drafted him. Isaiah Hodgins is going to be the number one wide receiver on this team. And currently he's not being even drafted in the top 150 wide receivers if you're at the end of your draft when everyone's kind of checked out and people might be drunk or whatever, draft Isaiah Hodgins, all right? Isaiah Hodgins will play significant snaps. He will be a quick pickup. I'm telling you right now, Isaiah Hodgins is a guy you should try to target in your league. Um, all right, real quick, stayaways, and then your uh, fantasy ride or die for the wide receiver position. Uh, Vito, we'll start with you. Okay, um, so for my... We had sleepy says stay away. My stay away is I'll okay. Um, I'm my stay away this year is going to be uh, unfortunately Tyler Lockett. I think this is the year he finally takes the drop off. Mm-hmm. And, that's a fair. Uh, that's a fair point. It's gonna happen sooner or later. And then my my ride or die, um, Stephon Diggs. Man, just just Josh Allen's number one. Like I, 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 everyone's great up there. Don't get me wrong, but he's one of those guys that a lot of people pass on for some reason. It's like, he is elite, man. Like if he falls to you towards the turn, snatch him up. I like it. What about you, Scotty? My stay away, uh, unfortunately again, is going to be Keenan Allen just because of the injury history. Uh, look, I know, I know how deep they can get, but this is an offense that's looking to break out and, uh, and that doesn't happen when you don't have your 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 ace. Uh, like we see that in baseball all the time, pitching staffs crumble because of the ace uh, being out for a significant period of time. Uh, I think that happens uh, again this year in uh, in in LA with the Chargers, which is why I kind of have them where that where I did when we did our uh, our preview uh, earlier this week. Uh, and my ride or die, not to be a homer, is going to be my guy Brandon Ayuk with a, with a value pick. Uh, like he, you're going to get such value out of him this year. I think he's a, a thousand plus, uh, receiver, uh, yard receiver. And, uh, like I, I would ride him into the sunset this year. Cause I think he's going to have a monster year value rider. I like it. Uh, my stay away, Chris Godwin. Um, I look, I know hey. he's, he had, had a tough year last year coming off the ACL, uh, I think Baker's going to have some struggles because we haven't seen him really put it together for a full season unless there's a consistent running game. I don't think that's going to happen with Tampa Bay. Vito and I went over that a couple weeks ago when we did our NFC South and AFC South previews. Um, 
I, I like him, but at this point of his career, like he's not someone when you can, you know, if you look where he's being drafted, there is, you know, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore. I'd rather have Mike Evans if I'm taking one of the two. Terry McLaurin, um, Tyler, for me, Tyler Lockett at least, Jerry Judy, DeAndre Hopkins. Those are all guys being drafted in the same neighborhood as him. If he pops up and one of those other guys is there, I'll take them over Chris Godwin every day. And then my ride or die is going to be the same guy that it was last year because I think his numbers are just going to continue to get better, and that's Amon Ross St. Brown. I love him on our same route. I don't care if he's ranked as a top 10 wide receiver. I don't care if that's a not that interesting of a pick. The dude's a stud, and he's going to catch a million balls, and he's going to catch a lot of touchdowns. Jamison Williams suspended for the first six games. So the first six weeks of the season, which matters a lot when we're talking about playoff seeding in your fantasy league, tackling a guy like Amon St. Brown, getting him early, I think he's a really, really important player, and I think he's going to make a huge difference in fantasy league. So, uh, all right, quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to fly through the quarterbacks, tight ends, and then, of course, the defenses and special teams. Uh, that'll take all of about two minutes. So we'll do all that on the other side. Plus, after that, we have our two year, or 200-episode talk at the end. All right, moving on. we got quarterbacks, tight ends, defense, kickers to wrap up our uh, fantasy preview, and then, again, more 200th episode fun on the other side. The the quarterbacks and tight ends, the tight ends is probably actually a little bit more interesting to talk about because I think there's a lot of variability after the, the clear-cut number one. Uh, quarterbacks is a little different because I think, inarguably, if you're looking at just from a fantasy standpoint, the top six, there's not going to be a huge differentiation between – number one and number six. So like Mahomes obviously is incredible. Jalen Hurts was the number one fantasy player last year. So you have Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, top six, no arguments to have with any of that. After that is when it starts to get a little bit interesting, right? Because Justin Fields turned into one of the top fantasy players. That's because of the running ability, the sustainability, and the fact that he kept breaking off these 50, 40, 70 yard runs that were touchdowns or even just big pickups. I look, it's unsustainable as a football team to have a quarterback that's doing that, right? It reminds you a little bit of like the uh, the 0304 uh, Atlanta Falcons with Michael Vick, where it was just like his athleticism. But even still, Michael Vick was a better thrower than Justin Fields was last year during that time. So Justin Fields is definitely that we know like, of. That we know of. I I mean, look, he could develop into it, but at that point in Michael Vick's (laughs) career, like it was breaking off these big runs. Defenses are like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this guy. Defenses are a little bit more understanding of like, hey, how do we contain an elite runner like that? Um, Chicago's offensive line is still really, really bad. I know they invested a first round pick at left tackle. Um, But all in all, like I, I understand why people want to take Justin Fields. I'm getting exhausted of the Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts comparison. I know why people are doing it. I get it. Shane Steichen is not – they don't have an offensive coordinator like Shane Steichen. They don't have an offensive line like the Eagles have. They don't have weapons, even with DJ Moore, the way that the Eagles have weapons. Um, It's not the same thing. And even if Justin Fields has tools that even like Jalen Hurts doesn't have, he's not going to take this big jump the way that Jalen took the big jump last year. But that doesn't mean he's not going to improve, and that doesn't mean that the running capability mixed with more weapons in the wide receiver game aren't going to affect him. So what is your overall? Because I think he's probably the most polarizing. Him and the next guy we'll talk about are the two most polarizing quarterbacks this year in fantasy. What is what is y'all's stance on Justin Fields going into this season? 
So I have him at number five. I have him over Herbert and over Burrow in fantasy. Because okay. I think he's going to take a step. I, I, You know who he reminds me of more than anybody is a young Deshaun Watson. And potentially, if you want to go all the way back to like Vince Young style, obviously different style runner and everything. But like Vince Young is probably a better comp. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that kind of style. Um, he runs the ball so damn well. I love his throwing. I've always thought he's a great decision maker, like in terms of speed through reads and stuff. Like he's not as bad as people think he was like, it's been a slow start for him, but he's what going to his third year. Like this is the year where like, yeah, year two, usually you make a bigger jump. He didn't play all the time as rookie year. Right. He didn't start the whole year. He started like, halfway no, through. He st- yeah. And so like, you could say that last year, he still had those rookie moments. That's fair to have. He was still going off. I think this year is really going to be that next Beat step the he takes. And yeah, I mean, he had a lot of good games. He kept games close. That mud game is like still iconic. I don't know if that was last year or before. Yeah, I think it was week, time week one. Year. It was week yeah. one last year. They beat I the Niners. Yeah, was that the same? That was the, that was that muddy game. Okay, that's so funny. I I equate the muddy uh, Niners game with when sorry to bring it up. Uh, Gail Sayers way back in the day had six touchdowns on you guys, and it was mud. his jersey. You couldn't even see the number anymore. It was beautiful game, um, but. That that quarterback, how he runs, I think he has a little bit better. I agree. They don't have the same offense. He doesn't have the – there's no ceiling compared to any of these other guys. I just think the floor is really high with his running. And he runs a lot. And in fantasy, listen, it's worth so much. I'm not saying he's better than any of them as a quarterback, but I think in fantasy, the amount of yards he's consistently getting is is really high for the last two years. So that's that's why I think I like him a lot. I like it. I think it's right. weird that like we draw the comparison which with who I think is the next guy we're gonna talk about to where like they're all they shouldn't be playing quarterback. This is not the the way the position was designed. Um and and, and they're strictly runners, they're better at running than they are at throwing, which I don't think is true for Justin Fields so much as I, I think it is for, for even the what I think again, think will be the next guy that we're talking about. But Justin Fields averages 0.62 fantasy points per drop back. Right? And a lot of that comes from the run uh, because he's he's scrambling. But imagine a year where he has DJ Moore, uh, where he has Cole Komet, where he has uh, Darnell, uh, Mooney. Darnell Mooney, where he has a better offensive line in front of him. Uh to be able to to make plays with his arm and and not just bail out with the run. And I think there's the upside with the run that he still has on top of the fact that he he like you said Vito has a, an elite arm. We saw it in college. Uh he has an elite arm. He's a really smart thrower. Uh I think they can they can utilize him to the best of his capabilities uh and will continue to build around that with especially with the offensive line. Uh but this is this is like the first chance that we'll see like maybe actual Justin Fields, uh, mm-hmm. right? Like what we've seen in college, uh, the the talent we saw in college. So I think you know to to the degree that he's a thousand yard rusher this year, yeah, maybe uh, because that might be what all that the offense allows. If he's a seven hundred yard rusher and a, a thirty five hundred yard passer, <laughs> like I think that upside is much higher. Um, and the chance of that happening is much higher this year than it was in any of his first two. So 
The Justin Fields thing for me, I'm actually kind of viewing it similar to you, Scotty, but more pessimistically. Um, he averaged 75 y- rushing yards per game last year. Actually, sorry, 76. He got to 1,143 yards on the ground last year. That is really hard to sustain. And he didn't just barely get to 1,000. I mean, he eclipsed 1,000 by, you know, almost 150 yards. Like, he, he was dynamic on the ground. He averaged 149 and a half yards per game through the air. You can't sustain 76 yards per game on the ground. And that jump from 149, which is actually a dip from his rookie year, which was 155 yards per game, that jump needs to be dramatic. And I know it's so easy when we look at like Josh Allen, right, who averaged 50 yards per game on the ground and 200 yards on the air, right? And then that gap kind of kept going bigger and bigger. Jalen Hurts, obviously the same thing. Those guys are honestly statistical anomalies throughout the history of the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. Not to say that he can't do it because obviously the running attack and his threat with the ball in his hand is going to make a big difference. It's just, I think we underestimate having seen it twice in the last five or six years, how hard it is for him to do that. It's exceptionally hard for him to be able to, 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 to increase, just get up to 200 yards per game, which 200 yards per game through the air is putting you in the bottom of quarterbacks around the NFL. So even if he can just stay at 75 yards per game, get up to 200 that's a huge difference. He'll still be a really, really valuable fantasy quarterback because of what he does on the ground, but it just it brings in a lot of question marks. And I understand that there's upside to it. I understand that you look at a guy like Justin Fields and you think, okay, there's upside here. He's going to continue to improve. He has better weapons, no question. The offensive line should be better in theory, even though it's not that much better. I'm just skeptical that he's going to have some huge jump. Does that, but the beauty of having a quarterback who is a brilliant runner is that his floor is a lot higher than other quarterbacks. It's not like right. Tua. The defense right? has to honor it. Right. Tua's, Tua's insane stats, unlike Justin Herbert's or Justin Fields, which is running, Tua's numbers and what makes him impressive are through the air. But we also know that hey, yeah. if two if Tua like Tua had the number one QB rating in the NFL last season, like if Tua stays healthy, he's a very very viable and and good quality starting quarterback in fantasy football, and in just flat out regular football. And Justin, but if he gets hurt, if he has some off games, if the development doesn't continue, there's no floor to bounce back on. Whereas Justin Fields, you know the floor is going to be back there. But I'll tell you what. He had 160 carries last season. That's averaging almost 10 carries a game. That's a really, really high number. And the sustainability of that we know is is not likely to happen. My thing is seeing what he was like as as a quarterback in college, the reasons I didn't love him coming out, which Vito, you and I butted heads a ton of, Back at, when that draft was going on, it was the first draft we covered on the, on the pod. You and I butted heads a lot on Justin Fields. I still am concerned about his view and the way he sees the field. I and mean, he doesn't have a Shane Steichen type of guy to help make it easier for him, which could end up happening. And actually, Vito, I think you hit the nail on the head. I love that you brought up Vince Young 
because I think Vince Young is a perfect comp for Justin Fields, mm-hmm. which is that as long as the athleticism is there, there's going to be moments. Remember, like the first couple of years when Vince Young was on Tennessee, he like had some major game winning drives and like oh, that, looked really, like, really good. Made some overtime. We had yeah. the 40 yard run and scored. And then he was on the cover of Madden the next year. Like it, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and that's all well and good, but how do we remember Vince Young as a guy who never developed the other side of it and all of the arm talent, all the stuff that was there never developed. I remember and, as a USC killer, but that's, <laughs> that's how we all remember. Amen, brother. We, we remember the run. We remember the run against USC. That's what we yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, Greatest so, national championship game of all time. In a pure, fantasy football standpoint i'm a fan of justin Fields simply because the floor is going to be this high but for people who think justin fields is going to come in and be the number one fantasy quarterback like josh allen and like jalen hurts were when they had their breakout years i'm very skeptical that that's going to happen Uh, i have two other guys that i want your opinions on and then we can kind of do our sleepers and stuff um probably the most polarizing but i think there might be one the next guy after this might be even more deshaun watson Someone you compare Justin Fields to there. Um, Deshaun Watson's really hard to figure out. And when we talked about the AFC North, we talked about trying to figure out the Browns and like what the Browns are going to be as a football team and how important it is to try to figure out, well, so much of that is dependent on what version of Deshaun Watson we see. The preseason, I'm not going to lie, for a guy who's played in the NFL for as long as he has, didn't look great. Didn't look great. And the preseason is terrible when either, though. I don't know. Like, no, I saw him play. You were, was, you were at it, the yeah. game. But for a guy who's supposed to be, you know, the, his first four years in the NFL before his, you know, suspension or suspensions year away from football, whatever we're calling it, Deshaun Watson was a top five fantasy quarterback for his first four years in the league. Mm-hmm. The guy that we saw in the preseason so far does not look like that guy. And I'm concerned that there's going to be people right now He's projected to be the eighth best quarterback in fantasy football. And I'm trying to find what his ADP is right now because no one wants to be the guy that drafts Deshaun Watson. Uh, right now, he's going as QB9. Uh, yeah. His average pick is 78 and a half, which has actually slightly gone up since the start of the season. I would be really skeptical about drafting Deshaun Watson, right? Because it's not just as much about like, hey, is, is it. The question is, can this dude tap back into the version he was when he was in Houston? And again, putting all the off the field stuff aside, I have serious doubts playing in Cleveland versus playing in an arena for half your games indoors like he did in Houston, uh, playing in the AFC South, whereas even his outdoor games still weren't that bad. I have a lot of concerns. I don't know if Deshaun Watson is ever going to get back to the version that he was when he was with Houston. And especially when you're looking at like, drafting him as the ninth quarterback off the board, I'd rather have Dak Prescott. I'd rather have Kirk Cousins. I'd probably rather have Tua, who are all guys that are on average getting drafted after Deshaun Watson as of right now. I actually think he's properly placed. So I, I like him here, and here's why. When you look at those other guys, I think his success, to your point, his, his ceiling is a top-five quarterback. I mean, that was his floor before last year, right? But I don't think, I, I don't think his floor has – dropped that much like he still has the dynamic side of his game yeah yeah he didn't go off last year at the end of the year but he knew he didn't like they were not doing anything at the end of last year in the preseason he looked crisp at least on his throwing and some of that stuff you could tell they probably ran his like 10 favorite plays when the one drive he was on but like 
uh, I, I firmly believe this guy is going to come back. And with this team with a full off season that he can actually participate in everything and do the full year here. Um, I, I think it makes a big difference. There were, trust me, there was a lot of distractions around him arriving in Cleveland for the entire year. I feel like whatever you feel about that, we've kind of gotten through it. And now we're at the point where it's just football. And I think that's only going to help him, right? That can only help him in terms of distractions. So I do think I seem seeing a step forward and just talent wise. And this is where it's hard because sometimes you do this and you mess up, you relate talent to fantasy. And to your point, those two things usually are not exactly related. Uh, but I think with him in terms of running and everything, that's why I, ha- I give him the edge on Dak and on Daniel Jones and on Tua. And honestly, maybe not an Aaron Rodgers. Daniel I Jones just, is a hell of a runner though. Yeah, you know, he is, but I just think that his, his, uh, he's never been a top five fantasy guy where, you know, Deshaun has, I guess for that's sure. what I'm saying. Yeah, so, for sure. So that's why I put him in that in that nine. But round. would you agree that you're at least taking a risk? Yes. Based, based off of what point, we've seen and the fact that he hasn't played a lot of football in the last couple of years, that like it's a risk. It's you're taking a chance on a guy like that. You are. And I think that's why you have to pair him. If you're going to take him, there are a few players like this. You do it running back, even injury prone guys. I think for him, you got to take him with another question mark whether it be like Anthony Richardson for Indy or Geno Smith, like hopefully he'll have a similar year. I think you pair him with another question mark quarterback late in the draft so that you're back up. If you have two question marks, one of them probably will work out, right? If if you stick with one and just try and hit the free agent waiver or get like, you know, another solid guy as a backup that you think like will be okay, like Kenny Pickett, thinking maybe he'll take a step. I'd rather go with a guy that's boom or bust, you know, a little more like more question marks, the better almost for that second pick. That's fair. What about you, Scotty? I, no, I think he's properly rated as well. Uh, just as a human, I hate it. Uh, that's well documented on this podcast. Uh, but as a football analyst, like, look, the, he's got one of the best running backs in the league. He's got uh uh, a pretty good, uh, probably the best receiving core that he's had, uh, with uh, with Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and DPJ. He's got one of the best tight ends he's had, and David Njoku, who's a, a, a solid guy who we'll talk about in the next segment with the tight ends, uh, to be sure. I, I just like it's all there for him. The offensive line is great. The defense is elite. Uh, I think the the uh, the offensive weapons he has are better than he's ever had. It, it it's all right there for him. Um, for him to be rated the ninth quarterback is assuming a lot. Uh, like you said, because we haven't seen a, a ton of him really. Uh, but even in the in the the last few games that we did see him, I, I think there was a step forward. Uh, and again, with the off season, uh, like you were talking about, Vito with the full off season to, to recuperate uh, physically and, and then, you know, get uh, mentally involved in the, and immersed in the playbook. Uh, and I, I just think this, the ceiling is really high. Um, and, and to your point, Vito, I don't think the floor has dropped a whole lot because of the talent level. Like, and I think that's why we're rating him ninth. Uh and, and properly, I think, because I don't think that the floor has dropped a whole lot uh, on on Deshaun Watson. And it pains me to say that because, like I said, I've been one of the 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 loudest guys on this podcast about like don't care, get out of my life. 
uh, with him. But but yeah, I think he's I think he's properly rated uh, from a football standpoint. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, look, my Deshaun thoughts are more of the same. I just I have a lot of concerns. I, I don't I know the offensive line's solid, but it's definitely dipped a little bit. I know he's got a decent wide receiver room. I know there's a floor of him running, uh, which we saw a little bit in the preseason. I just for me, based off of what we saw last year, I think the drop off from guys like Justin Fields, who are ranked ahead of him, to Deshaun is huge. Uh, even a guy like Trevor Lawrence, I'd rather have. Uh, I'd rather have Dak. I, I think I'd probably even rather have Kirk Cousins or Daniel Jones in the draft. Now, if we get to week six and I look at it and Deshaun looks more and more like the guy that he used to be, then, hey, look, I'll feel like an idiot. But in terms of my draft strategy, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm depending on the upside potential of Deshaun Watson because that, there's going yeah, to be a risk there, you know? That's the risk you take in the draft. Right. For it's, sure. It's the total gamble. For sure. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about here, uh, which is interesting because I'm trying to look where his ADP is right now. Um, Anthony Richardson. I think he has a chance right now. He's being his ADP in quarterbacks is 16 behind the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Tua, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith. I think based off of everything we've known, the fact that he's already been announced week one starter knowing that the floor of him as a runner is going to be there. It's a little bit like what Trey Lance was a couple of years ago. Of course, Jimmy G in that situation was a little tougher. Um, him versus Gardner Minshew, like he's going to end up starting over Gardner Minshew. Like it's yeah, just kind of the nature. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I mean. Like he already got yeah. named the starter. So the, I don't think we were, we're in too much jeopardy. Um, I think knowing where Anthony Richardson uh, uh, who is coaching Anthony Richardson, that being Shane Steichen, the fact that the offensive line we think will be better this year and they at least have some quality pieces, obviously Quentin Nelson being the primary guy. Uh, I think this offense is going to struggle. But look, the, the Chicago Bears were the worst team in the NFL last year, and they still had a top, what, seven fantasy quarterback in Justin Fields. On-field success doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy success. And Garbage at, touchdowns, baby. <laughs> Anthony Richardson's going to have a lot of rushing ability, and he's kind of a hybrid between Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. And I think what they're going to do and what Shane's – like no one had more designed runs in the NFL last year than the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Their play caller from last year is now the head coach of this team. There's going to be designed runs. They're going to try to – win games and be competitive using that guy's strength and athleticism, which is bigger and stronger and faster than Josh Allen with the consistent run development of a guy like Jalen Hurts. However, there are some interesting stats out there where it's like if you compared who had more designed runs in college their last year, Anthony Richardson or Sam Howell, we would all say Anthony Richardson, right? Not the case. Sam Howell had more designed runs in his senior year of college and Anthony Richardson did or his last last year in college. Always a treasure. Um, So he's not going to have the read option feel that someone like Jalen Hurts does at such an elite level. But what he will have is that scrambling ability, like a young Justin Fields, like a young Josh Allen. And I think that alone makes him more valuable than a guy who's currently going as the 16th quarterback overall. I mean, after Anthony Richardson's, you have Russell Wilson after that. And no offense, Vito, I would 
10 times. Uh, that was going to be my question. Yeah, I was going to say 10 <laughs> times would rather have Anthony Richardson right now because I think that floor is really, really low. From a draft strategy standpoint, it's tough because it's like, hey, I grabbed Aaron Rodgers or Tua or somebody. Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson's probably not going to be there later on. And if you drafted a top quarterback in the first three or four rounds, do you want to waste a eighth or ninth round pick on a guy like Anthony Richardson, which is a really, really tough spot to try to draft a guy like that. Um, real quick, Vito, what are, what are your thoughts on Anthony Richardson? I I love him. I just think he's an exciting player. He's physically just so gifted, like Josh Allen, but bigger and stronger and faster. I don't know. It just seems like he's what we thought Jamarcus Russell may be, like back in the day. Like that was the aspiration of like oh this boy. physical. Fr- <laughs> he's Cam Newton, right? I mean, then Cam Newton. Cam Newton's a out. better. Yeah, it was say, that's yeah. what I'm saying. But they're both those physical. You're just like, oh, I think Jamarcus Russell leaves his imprint on me as the greatest physical gifted guy that I saw like throwing, going through the combine the football, yeah. and all that stuff. And I think even more so than Cam, that's that's why I compare those guys on the physical side. But you're right, Cam Newton actually is solid. And I, I don't know, um, you know, he had an MVP year. He's obviously amazing. And I think that Anthony Richardson could get there. Uh, like we did in the preview, we talked a little bit about like Cam Newton's success his rookie year. Go check that out because I think it'll be similar and I'm pretty high on him. What about you, Scotty? Yeah, no, I think the upside's there. I, I really do. I just think that like, uh, and I think he's in a better situation than Justin Fields. If you're going to make that comp too, like I think the offensive line that he's stepping into is better. I think the coaching he's stepping into is better. Uh, I, I think that the receivers that he has available to him are better and tight end even too, uh, uh, as, as a bailout. Uh, the question mark obviously is Jonathan Taylor because that that's what makes that offense go. If the, if he's in that offense, I think Anthony Richardson is even that much better, uh, but the upside is is totally there. And 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 if you're looking at a value draft pick, a quarterback, or even a guy who who might not get taken, you put him on your 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 target wire to get streamed uh, as a quarterback that you need in a bye week. That's a guy I'm looking toward. Uh, okay, so I I mean I'm with you. I I think he's worth it. I guess the question comes into. Are you willing to gamble away being like, I'm going to make him my starting quarterback week one as a rookie and draft that? Because otherwise you're going to have to sacrifice a mid-round draft pick, which could be a tight end. It could be a, a backup running back. It could be a, you know, a Tyler Boyd or someone like that. It could be someone who could be really valuable for you at the skill positions. Are you willing to take a risk and being like, hey, either I'm going to draft a quarterback at the top and then draft him as, as insurance afterwards or I'm going to wait until all the quarterbacks are off the board and then take the gamble that Anthony Richardson's still going to be there. I'm going to roll the dice with him being my number one quarterback. I would take the gamble. Uh, I think there's a handful of guys uh, who, who you could pick ahead of him. Um, two relative rookies included uh, that, that I would take ahead of him at that spot. Um but I would take the gamble. Like if he's there, he's there. If not, I'm not going to reach uh, in, in the mid rounds or even I, I would, I would say even as far as like the, the 12th or 13th to, to go get him. All right. It's interesting. Um, all right. Let's do our QB sleeper picks guys that you think maybe you are going to have big years. Scotty, we'll start with you. Well, I know yours, bud. And uh, he plays in the, uh, in the town we live in. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, okay, that's that's a real deep sleeper. Yes, Sam Howell 
look, I, I, I will say I wasn't going to include Sam Howell because I don't think there's a world where he starts uh, on your fantasy team this year unless you are like in a really bad spot. Uh, I do love Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell is going to be great. But uh, yeah, a little, little bit of concern with Sam Howell in terms of like if he's going in as your week one starter, you're, you, you fucked up your draft pretty bad there. Um, but I do think Sam Howell is going to be good. That's not necessarily where I was thinking. Um, in terms of like sleeper picks, because look, like again, we know the top level guys. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a really, really good year. I think it's hard to call him a sleeper necessarily. Um, but if you look at where ADP goes, you have Mahomes uh, 14th overall is where he's averaged. So uh, Mahomes is being drafted as an early second round pick. Then you have Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts right behind them in the early 20s. Then it drops down to Lamar and Joe Burrow in the early 30s. Herbert and Fields right around 50. And then it drops all the way to just about 70 for Trevor Lawrence. So uh, by that logic, I would say I think Trevor Lawrence is a relative sleeper. I think if you're if you're looking at the trajectory of him, discounting everything he had to do with the Urban Meyer year, year number two with Doug, he looks really, really good. And out here is the literal second year with Doug Peterson. Uh, I think he's going to continue to progress. So I, I would throw Trevor Lawrence in there just because I think between the skill position guys, both in running back and wide receiver, uh, I think that offensive line is going to continue to get better. I think that's a really solid pick. But the guy that I would throw in there, and and this is antithetical to what I normally would say, but this is a high-risk high reward type of pick is Tua because I think when if Tua is healthy through 17 games with those guys and those like I mean this is the guy with the number one quarterback rating in the NFL last year my confidence level that Tua is going to stay healthy throughout that stretch is very low but if you're asking me for a sleeper someone who's not being drafted as a typical starting quarterback in most leagues I think Tua's upside is insanely high given the talent that's around him. So I would have Tua as as a distant sleeper uh, for for me this year. So I got a sleeper here. Yeah. Um, How about the good old quarterback, Derek Carr in New Orleans? He's got like two it. elite wide receivers starting for him. How many this year, New Orleans Michael quarterbacks is back? <laughs> Super but, elite. Yeah. No, but the point is, is that they do have an up and coming offense. I think they're going to sling it. Like I, I do think getting Kamara back in the passing game will be big. Um, just in the amount of touchdowns, like Kamara, to your point, on the inverse of of the running backs thing, where he didn't run that many, he caught a lot of touchdowns. That only helps Derek Carr, right? Like they're going short. Um, and even when you're near the, like in the red zone, actually just throwing the ball still, I think it's going to be huge for him. I, I'm really excited to see what he does there. Just in terms of starters, I don't know why he dropped off so far. Um, a couple of years ago, you know, he led the league in passing yards and two years later they have him like, you know, he's going to be a free agent in most drafts and just be open. Like that's, that's crazy to me. I think he's, he's a good sleeper for the, for like you. It. If you have uh you look down your draft and you realize, Oh shit. Everyone that's good is gone. Go with, <laughs> go with Derek Carr. Yeah, you missed the, I can, the surge. I can make the case for my guy, but in the interest of not being a homer, I won't. Uh, so I will pick, uh, unless you want that argument, I'll uh, give it to I you. Think per, look, I think Purdy's not a bad call for a sleeper, but just a I deep agree. sleeper. Deep sleeper in, in Brock Purdy. I think that's more of a streamer. 
uh, than a sleeper. Um, Rubble still skin over here. The uh, yeah, no, <laughs> spinning yarns of gold. That's what he's going to do after he wins the Lombardi this year. Don't worry about it. Uh, the sleeper I'll pick. I'm going to go with Jared Goff, uh, mm. who was top three in EPA like uh, in, per drop back uh, in in 2022. He's got a better receiving core. He's got a better offensive line. Who's a year advanced. He's got a better defense. Um, I, I think this guy is, is vastly underrated uh, as far as fantasy standards go. Uh, but e- even in the NFL, <laughs> on the whole, as a quarterback, uh, very smart, um, very, uh, I don't want to say elite, but he's he's right there. I think he's a guy who who can come in and and what's going to make Amon Ra go is, uh, is that quarterback who's making the decisive decision uh, to throw the ball to him or, or Jameson when he comes back or, or, or uh, Sam Laporta, who's a, a tight end who we'll talk about in a minute or any of those guys. So yeah, uh, I, I like Jared Goff as a sleeper for uh, for a quarterback. I think he can, he can rack up. He was top. I think he was top eight in fantasy points last year as a, as a starting quarterback. I would also throw in Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I love, I, I, like, too, I, I love, I love Kenny yeah. Pickett. Um, and I don't know why I had a brain fart and didn't put Kenny Pickett as my sleeper, um, but I did. So Kenny Pickett. Uh, all right, let's go to tight ends. Uh, Travis Kelsey, number one, no questions. After that, you could make the case for a bunch of different people. Um, what's interesting is according to like the number projections, the analytics stuff, you're going to have Kelsey. Mark Andrews has been kind of number two for a little while here. Then TJ Hawkinson with Minnesota drops in at number yeah. three. Uh, I know, look, I know TJ Hawkinson had a really good run when he got to Minnesota. Little surprised he's up that high, but I do really, really like him as a player, so that's not a dig on him. Followed by Darren Waller, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard. To me, two through seven there, you could kind of chop up in any way and make an argument for any of them. So yep. out of those five, or I guess it's six guys, who would you have as the number two based off of your feelings on it? Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Kyle Pill, Kyle Pitts, and Dallas Goddard. Who is the number two tight end for you guys there? I think Mark is right. Um, I think Mark right. Andrews is correct. Why don't we say three through why don't we say why don't we say three through seven then? Why don't we why don't we mark that... in Mark Andrews as number two and then we'll say three through seven? Yeah, that makes it easier because I think I want to talk about Darren Waller. I think this is an excellent move for him. I think the Giants are going to be a perfect fit for him. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do in their passing offense. I mean, he's going to be out wide. Like, he is one of the least lined up on the line guys for tight ends in the league. Like, he is out wide, and I love seeing that. Um, He's going to be in the passing. He's perfect for fantasy when you're talking about tight ends. Uh, and I, I only think he's going to grow with that offense. Think about, like I said, if the box, if they try to load the box against Saquon, which is the MO for most teams playing the Giants, now all of a sudden you have Darren Waller, go, and that linebacker has no idea what to do. You commit a linebacker to, oh to my Saquon. God. What do you, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's going to be a nightmare. So I, I really think the fit is going to make him blow up. Um, you know, he had a lot of success when obviously Josh Jacobs in the backfield in Vegas. I just think that he's going to go off, hopefully stay healthy and have a great year. In terms of talent, I also think he's right there. Um, we'll throw out a stat. Uh, well, actually, Jeff, who do you think? Because I, I I think I know who you think, and I want to throw some stats out there about him yeah. too. Um, I think I know too. Well, so I'll 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 pull the cart curtain back a little bit. So I was in my fantasy draft, 
and this is a double flex league that I was in on Monday. It's a double flex league fantasy draft. And we get to the ninth round. And at this point in time, I have a quarterback, Lamar Jackson. I have Tony Pollard and Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, and who's my other, uh, Brandon Ayuk, and then draft Travis Kelsey, right? So my starting lineup is pretty much set. Yeah, I know. It's a ridiculous core. These these guys were in a dynasty league for the first time, and this is also my first time in dynasty league, but they all were so hyper-focused on rookies and young guys that I got Derrick Henry in the fifth round. So, I yeah, it's it's nuts. So, I on paper, my team should dominate this league. Uh, but then we got to – maybe it wasn't the ninth. Maybe it was like seventh or eighth round. And I'm going through, and like I already have like everyone kind of filled out. And I'm like, Dallas Goddard is still on the board. And I was texting Scotty and I was like, do I just do I just say fuck it and draft a second tight end who could be a top three tight end in the NFL uh, statistically and, and just overall and just have him be my second flex option? Because his overall rank was like 64th and we were on pick like 82. So I'm like, I'm getting 20 picks of value here. I have an open flex spot. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to draft Dallas Goddard. So right now I'm rocking the double tight end look. Um, but it's also a, a double Love flex it. league. So I think I have like Tyler Lott. No, Tyler Lockett's on my bench, but I have like Ayuk and uh, AJ Brown and then one other flex guy. And then I have Dallas Goddard there on, on my lineup. So I was like, I just felt like I was getting insane value. And Dallas Goddard is the guy I'm going to pick. And, and I understand people listening to this are going to say it's a homer pick. I mean this genuinely. If we don't have the cheap shot, the no call face mask, on the Monday night game against Washington, which was the first regular season game that the Eagles lost last year, if that face mask doesn't happen, Dallas Goddard was on pace for 75 catches and over 1,000 yards, which means theoretically the Eagles would have had 3,000-yard receivers in 2022. Dallas Goddard oh, but is – Jalen Hurts isn't a thrower. Yeah, of course, right? Uh, but look, Dallas Goddard – the, the touchdown numbers are, are frustrating for Eagles uh, if you're for fantasy fans because, look, when you get to the goal line, we know what the Eagles are going to do. They're going to run the ball. They're going to – once it gets to the one QB sneak, automatic touchdown, Jalen Hurts. But that doesn't mean that Dallas Goddard still isn't a really, really viable option. And the fact that he's currently the seventh tight end in fantasy is nuts. I agree with you, Vito. Darren Waller to New York makes all the sense in the world. But Darren Waller's missed so much time over the last two seasons. And when <laughs> yeah. he's been on the field, he's been great. But then also look at the quarterbacks that's throwing to him. That's why I kind of understand why TJ Hawkinson's number three, because that connection with Kirk Cousins makes sense. George Kittle, to me, is the same argument with uh, Darren Waller. When they're on the field, they're phenomenal. But at the tight end position, what you're really looking for is high-end consistency, right? Travis Kelsey is the only one that's giving you, like, top-level, really, really valuable players. On ESPN right now, his average pick is 5.6. In a PPR league, Travis Kelsey is going in between the fifth and sixth pick overall. All right, that is the value of Travis Kelsey. So no one's touching that because the average pick after Travis Kelsey, the ADP is 32.5 for Mark Andrews. So no one's touching Travis Kelsey. Mark Andrews in this new offense, not to say that I don't think he's going to be good, but just saying there's at least a question mark. There's at least a little bit like, all right, like what's this new offense going to look like? He's still going to be a really, really productive player. 
That third spot to me, the difference between TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, and uh, Kyle Pitts, and Dallas Goddard. Injury issues with Darren Waller and George Kittle. TJ Hawkinson, consistent guy. I get it with the quarterback. Kyle Pilt, Kyle. Why do I keep doing it? Kyle Pitts with Desmond Ritter. Huge. Just call him Kyle Pilt. <laughs> yeah, he's just Kyle Pilt's forever now. Kyle Pitts with Desmond Ritter and that offense running the ball as much as they do. Plenty of opportunity arguments. Dallas Goddard gets opportunities. He gets targets. He makes catches. He doesn't drop the ball. He scores occasional touchdowns. You want those numbers to be a little bit higher. All around, to me, Dallas Goddard should be a top four tight end in fantasy uh, because he stays on the field unless he gets cheap shotted by the Washington Commanders. Uh, and he's really, really, really consistent. And so to I, me, Dallas Goddard's a guy that I, if I'm taking that third pick at tight end, I'm taking Dallas Goddard over TJ Hawkinson. But I can get him later in the draft, so I'm not going to. I uh, No, I, I agree. And, and the thing about Goddard, um, so some numbers to back that up, I, I think it was right in the last two and a half years, basically, like before, you know, without the injury, Dallas was third in targets, third in receptions, third in yards from tight ends. Like he's consistently been the number three guy in, in fantasy. So um, that's, that's really what matters. And he's been up there. So, um, and that's through, you know, a couple different quarterbacks, even he was there before just hurts, you know? So um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. He was hidden behind Ertz for so long that it was kind of like, yeah, this guy's really good, but he, he gets talked about as like a fringe top 10 guy. I'm like, no, he's really good. It's just, he's competing for targets with Zach Ertz. As soon as Ertz left, he's been a top five tight end in football, but he's going like he's, you know, Pat Frymouth, you know. So, yeah. uh, Scotty, what about you? Who would you have out of that group? At three? Uh, look, I, I love George Kittle. I don't want to be a homer. Uh, I, I love what he does, but um, it really depends, like we talked about in the preview, who the quarterback's going to be. Um, I think TJ Hawkinson is properly rated at three. Um, I, I don't disagree with that. I think he was a bit of a bailout for, um, and, and an integral part at the same time of the offense for Kirk cousins. Uh, you know, you've got Justin Jefferson. And after that last year, who was it, uh, in the wide receiving core. And, and, and so he went to, to TJ Hawkinson. And once they acquired him in mid season, you saw uh, how much, uh, Kirk cousins relied upon him so much. In fact, that, went to the last drive of the playoff game against the Giants uh, where he, he threw a, a just like a stick route to him and hoped that that TJ could pick up the uh, the eight yards they needed for a first down to uh, to keep the, the game going and keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, and so I, I think he's going to get more involved in that offense. The He, he clicked from day one, uh, and, and I don't expect that to change at all. Uh, Kittle, you know, he's coming back this week uh, from an injury. Uh, that that has been the mo for the last like four years. Is Kittle's out for for three or four weeks, uh, and so uh, I I think it's I think it's T.J. Hawkinson who's going to make some noise in that tight end room. I'm with you though. I think Dallas Goddard upside is a top three tight end in uh, in fantasy football, but T.J. Hawkinson is is properly rated for me. All right, uh, sleepers, tight end sleepers. Any anyone that speaks to anyone you think is going to take that next kind of big jump? There's, uh, there's a couple there's a of couple rookies, guys. couple of rookies that are exciting. 
there's a couple. Of, yeah, you talk about so like uh, some rookies, Sam Laporta uh, with with uh, Detroit. Uh, who's the guy in in Green Bay? Um, who they drafted? Oh God, Luke Musgrave. Um, uh, those are some exciting rookies to look at. Dal- Dalton uh, Kincaid, Michael Dalton Mayer. Kincaid. Yeah, but even even you know Dalton uh, Dawson Knox is having a good camp too. Um, so we'll see with with uh, with what Buffalo is going to do. Um, I love uh, I love Dalton Schultz in Houston uh, as the guy who can be a bailout for a rookie quarterback. Uh, but the guy I love most, um, who I think is is going to be have an excellent year, is my guy Pat Fryermuth uh, mm. out of out of uh, Penn State, who's playing for the Steelers. I think he's going to be an excellent option, especially with two good receiving guys uh, in, in Deontay Johnson and uh, and George Pickens. I think uh, Pat Fryermuth is the best third option uh, for for a team that uh, that a young quarterback in Kenny Pickett is going to look to. I like it. What about you, Vita? So I have two different kind of guys. So first is right on that fringe again, but I think Evan Ingram killed it last year. And if, if you see his name and there's no one else left, I think he is a tier above like Joku and Schultz and some of these guys. Um, for a sleeper, I think that could blow up is Juwan Johnson out of New Orleans. Fuck he was an, you. Old, was an old wide receiver. Yeah, he's had it right, but he like he had a great end of the year last year. He's got a great camp. I think this guy could have a huge year, especially just with a consistent quarterback. So uh, for me, that's that's where I'm going, and I think he could have a huge year, actually. Damn, you you fucking cocked me on that one. God damn it. <laughs> I, I was so excited to make my Juwan Johnson take, who's currently being drafted as the 22nd uh, tight end across fantasy leagues. He is He finished last year as tight end number eight, and he's currently being drafted at 22 that's in terms of tight end, which means he's not getting drafted in a lot of leagues. Juwan Johnson is a valuable pick. He finishes tight end eight with Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill and fucking, you know, the big Jameis Winston in the first couple weeks of the season. Like this dude now has a proven quarterback who likes to throw to the tight end, super athletic. He will absolutely be there towards the end of the draft. So if you don't get Travis Kelsey in the front, if you don't get, a you know a Dallas Goddard, Mark Andrews, T.J. Hawkinson, Darren Waller, George Kittle type of guy, Kyle Pitts, any of those guys, just wait, draft, take a chance on a you know a Dalton Kincaid or a you know Cole Komet, take someone like that, and then wait to the end of the draft and have two tight ends to keep one of them on your bench and have that second guy be Jawan Johnson because he's absolutely the guy I would take as my sleeper. But since Vito took him, I will I will cuck him right back by taking the Denver Broncos, Greg Dulcich. Yeah. Because uh, Greg Dulcich at UCLA, I think is still one of the best tight end prospects I've ever seen. We saw him and Russ in particular get on a really good page towards the last five, six games of the season post Nathaniel Hackett firing. I, I think, look, he's currently listed as number two behind Adam Troutman. I've heard rumblings uh, from different podcasts and, and different articles that Sean Payton is considering using Dalton uh, or Dalton Greg Dolchich as a Taysom Hill like type of guy. Yep. Direct snaps, certain weird creative ways to get him the ball. Um, Greg Dolchich is going to be a guy who starts in fantasy leagues towards the end of the season. I'm excited to see that. All right. Uh, guys. My biggest sleeper of all though is, is Grant Calcaterra. That's right. Grant Calcaterra. <laughs> Shout out Grant. Always. Um, all right, uh, staying away from guys you have no interest in, and then your 
uh, your ride or die tight end that's not Travis Kelsey? <laughs> My ride or die tight end is Goddard. It really is. Like, it's just consistent. Um, yeah, me, me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I think he's that guy. My stay away from, uh, for some reason, and I, I don't really know why, uh, Gerald Everett. I, no, I just that's think a good one. so many weapons in that offense that, like, the, the volume room has to go down with that, uh, with Quentin they drafted on the outside. I, I just think that there's even, even if there's injuries, I, I, there could be injuries, but there's just more talent than there was last year. He's going to take a step down, and I don't think that he's worth drafting in a position. I think he's going around like 15, 16 right now, maybe a little later, but like, I, I just I would never even draft him. I'd rather have again, Jawan, Mike Asecki, any of these guys rather than him. What about you, Scotty? Uh, so rider, uh, sleeper. What are we doing? We're, no, <laughs> stay we're, away. Yeah, stay away and ride or die. Stay away. I'm gonna stay away from. Uh, I'm gonna stay away from Darren Waller. I just uh, like I don't know. Uh, like you guys made made a good case, but I I just don't see Daniel Jones throwing the ball that off. And he's got a revamped wide receiver core. So if he's gonna throw that much, then then he's going to those guys and Saquon. And then Darren Waller is like the fourth option. Um, there's a lot of upside there in fantasy, but I, I think that's a stay away for me. Uh, ride or die, I'm going to go with my guy, Patty Fries. Uh, I, I think I think there's so much upside there with with that offense um, that that he could have a, a really big year. Yeah, no, I I, I think that's right. It was, it's interesting you said Darren Waller because I was like, man, the guy that I want to say is pretty highly ranked and then you went higher than me. So that made me feel better. Um, I will say the guy I want to stay away from, and this is solely based off of draft position is Kyle Pitts. Um, I, I know the talent and I know what he looked like at Florida, but Desmond Ritter has to be really good this year for Kyle Pitts to be good. And by really good, I mean like the standard of where he was last year to the version of which he needs to be for Kyle Pitts to become a top to be drafted ahead of Dallas Goddard or Evan Ingram or Pat Fryermuth, like he's been drafted so far this year. I need to see more out of out of Desmond Ritter. And I said before when we did the AFC or the NFC South, like I like Desmond Ritter. I'm a believer of Desmond Ritter, but he needs to take a pretty big jump. And then knowing the way that Arthur Smith treats offenses, where it's going to be a lot of Bijan Robinson, it's going to be a lot of running game. You know, could that mean some some red zone touchdowns for Kyle Pitts? Sure. But you you drafted in the top 10, top four for for Kyle Pitts, top 10 Drake London. Let's see you guys throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, and I don't know if they have the quarterback who's going to be able to do it. So Kyle Pitts is the guy I wanted to say. I'm also going to throw out there David Njoku. He's a guy that ends up on a, a fantasy team every single year. Um, he had a good year last year. You could say it was a borderline career year. Uh, his high, his high in, in receptions, he had 58 catches for 628 yards, four touchdowns. To be drafted at tight end 10 when you have a ton of skilled rookies and some guys you can get later, based off of where his draft position is, um, I would rather, like, he's his ADP right now is 102. You have Cole Komet, Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higby, Dalen, uh, Dalton Kincaid, all significantly after that. So I'd rather take a pass on Njoku because so far in his career, he has two seasons over 600 career yards. That's 2018 and then last year. 
After that, it drops to 475 yards, 386, 213, and then just 41 in 2019 when he was banged up a little bit. I think more often than not, in Jig, uh, in Jig, uh, Jesus, uh, Njoku should be one of those guys you kind of keep on the back burner. If you'll see him in waiver wires in fantasy, because there's going to be somebody who drafts him, let them make that mistake. All right, real quick before we take our last break and we hit our uh, 200th episode stuff, defenses uh, and kickers. Kickers, I think, is the easiest. So we'll run through that quick. Obviously, it's it's Justin Tucker first and foremost, uh, and then that second spot after that, you could say you know. It's kind of up in the air. I, to me, it's like Evan McPherson has the talent to be the closest thing to Justin Tucker. So if you're going to take a kicker number two off the board, I think Evan McPherson's probably the guy you take. And then after that, we're talking about quarterbacks on good or quarterback kickers on good offenses. So Harrison right. Bucker, uh, you know, Jake Elliott, Tyler Bass, Tyler Bass. These are all guys. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, and then of course, can't bring up kickers without young Waiku. Uh, who has put up some monster numbers. Matt Gay, now in Indianapolis. That's an offense that I think is going to struggle in the red zone a little bit. McManus so in Jacksonville. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you got some good kickers in some different situations. When you're drafting a kicker, it's basically like Justin Tucker, number one. Really, really good offense is number two. And then teams that you think are going to struggle in the red zone that are going to settle for field goals, number three. So, uh, do you have anyone else other than the guys I named that you want to bring in? Greg Zerline, maybe with the Jets. Brett Maher, Greg the leg. with the Broncos. <laughs> Listen, yeah, you're in mile high too. You get air in, in a lot, like thin air in a lot of games. He's a good kicker, and I, I think we're gonna have a rebound year. So I'm gonna go with him. I like it. Uh, all right, and then defenses. Uh, this one's a little tougher. I had. I'm still high on the Jets defense because it's gonna be really good. They just have a really tough schedule. Um, they have to play Kansas city. They have to play Buffalo. I still went with them anyway in my fantasy league, just cause they are so good. Um, and I think even playing against some, I think it's going to make up when they play really bad offenses, which they have a few on their schedule. I think that defense is going to be really, really stout. Uh, and even in games where, you know, look, they they're playing Kansas city. They're still going to get a couple sacks. There's, there might be a pick in there here, or there, if they're as dominant or close to as dominant as they are last year, they should be up there. But I think, Niners number one makes the most sense. I think easiest schedule for one of those elite defenses. Um, you see the Eagles are up there with a bunch of teams as well, but again, really, really tough schedule, new defensive coordinator. Uh, the Steelers I've heard up there as well. Any defenses that stick out to you that you're really attracted towards for fantasy reasons? Cowboys and Steelers because of sacks and turnovers. Um, I think you can't go wrong with either of those the thing I'm worried about with the jets is the amount of volume, like, the offense is going to score more. So other teams are going to have to, where in other games, it was more of a clock. Like they just last year teams knew that the jets weren't going to score. Let's just call it. Yeah. What it is. Um, so to me, I do think uh, Cowboys Steelers um, and then, and then, you know, uh, the bills are obviously just still a great team all around. Um, and yeah, those are, those are some of the best ones up there. I think Kansas city's sneaky. Good. Uh, they're in, they're in the top 10 right now. Uh, but by year's end, I think they could be in top five. Outside of the the top twelve, if you're in a twelve team league that's drafting, I'd I'd go Denver, Cincinnati, and Cleveland are all really good. I think scoring defenses this year uh, that could end up in the top uh, in in the top five of uh, yeah. uh, for fantasy defenses. Also throw in Miami. 
Uh, Vic Fangio, a yeah. lot of talent on that defense. I think that's one that people like Miami defense, the candy ass uniforms, all that stuff. People don't think about Miami. They think about when they think about Miami, they think about the offense, not the defense. I think that defense could be really, really good this year. We talked about that when we did our first preview, uh, you know, about a month ago. I, I think Miami's defense is going to be really, really good, and Vic Fangio is going to be a part of it. Uh, right now, they're projected to be a top five offense. Currently being drafted or defense, they're being drafted at uh, right between six and seven. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, all right, quick break. When we come back, we're gonna reminisce a little bit. If you don't want to hear us, you know, go through all the two hundred episode stuff thank you take it easy all the stuff we say at the end we love you uh, i know you guys come to us and this is a long episode so thank you always for listening if you want if you want to hang along to the end as we reminisce on our 200th episode uh being released today uh hang with us through the break and we'll be back in just a sec all right boys 200th episode we are here uh we're not going to go super long with this but we do we want to take a moment, you know, um, it, it's crazy. And uh, we talked a little bit on the last part about kind of thinking back to where it started. Um, a lot's changed. Uh, a lot stayed the same. It's, it's been interesting, you know, it's, it's uh, not to overly romanticize doing a podcast with two other straight white guys, but um, it does feel a little it's beautiful. Bit, it's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> um, it does, you know, it does feel a little, little bit like a time capsule you know like from where what i was doing at that point in my life when we started this and to where we are now is a huge jump it's a huge difference uh in in terms of where i am in my life and where all of you guys are and and major life things have happened and uh, at the same time we've sat here and debated the same shit we've done in, in different ways basically the entire time so um, made some money though so yeah yeah exactly. i hope so i hope people lost have. a lot of money <laughs> i was gonna say yeah the the betting the betting gods have been pretty good to us overall um i'm excited to get our 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 season started with our bets but yeah i mean 200 episodes i mean what comes to mind when you think about it like 200 episodes Vito, we'll start with you but like it's it's kind of, it's a bizarre thing to think like damn we're we're here we've done 200 of these you know, on average, I'd say the average podcast is probably like an hour and a half long. So, you know, we can kind of do the math on that. But what about you, Vito? I mean, what, yeah, what comes to mind? Hours of content easily, probably 320, 340. Oh, way, way more than 300. Yeah. Um, but that's for me, I think it, it goes back to where we were at when we started this. It was it was um the re-lockdown of fall of 2020, basically, like or it was the end of football season. I guess we started early 21, but we had been doing the other podcasts we talk about for our fantasy league, transitioning into this in 2021. It was coming out of that that second lockup and like COVID was a major thing. People were all over Zoom to connect and podcasts were blowing up in general. And I think, you know, we were, we wanted to do this for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, I think the main one obviously being it was fun. It was an outlet and it was a way to connect because I think we're all people who like connecting with other people, you know, and especially on on a level like this where you can actually talk in a longer format, not just sound bites and all that stuff, right? We actually care about the sport, football. We care about sports in general. All of us, it means a lot. And uh, I, I think that from coming out of COVID and like where I was at in life, like, I, I mean, I moved to Cleveland, um, 
I still have my place in Philly, but like this whole project, I usually kind of bookmark my life in chunks where it's like, yeah, you know, high school and college. And I go project to project to project and they're like four or five years. But like this podcast has been the same length as really this job I've been on in Cleveland. So it, it's a weird, like to your point, not only time capsule, because we can go back and listen, but it's a huge piece in a timeline of, of really our, you know, adult lives here post COVID, like no matter what's happened since the pandemic, we've been on this every week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what about you, Scotty? I mean, like, like Vito said, there's been a ton of life changes, you know, that we've had uh, over the course of this 200 episodes. But like, for me, this is, this is something I, I not to get overly, analytical or emotional but like this is something i look forward to mm-hmm. every week like the the monday and, and thursday recording that we do um it's something i look forward to as not only an outlet uh something that keeps me mentally healthy something that i can look forward to um and it's just like it's, it's it's just a, a a place and and a venue and and i think this this was ultimately the goal of this was a venue for three friends to sit around and shoot the shit and talk ball yeah. and uh and hang out and uh and on top of that like the the idea that and the fact that we've grown you know as as individuals let alone uh and, and most importantly for the podcast as, as friends, the three of us as mm-hmm. is, is really important to me. So uh, I, I yeah. value it and I look forward to it two days a week and, uh, and, and I love what we do. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think the the proof in the pudding there is like, we did this when there was like max 14 people listening to us you know, or 12 people listening to us, you know, when, when we were, I, it's even less than that. It's nine people. Cause there was 12 people in our fantasy league when we started this and we sent it out to them. So the max that we really thought was possible when we started doing this was nine people. Um, you know, we, we had the running joke that the podcast had been going for almost a year before Vito and I had ever actually met in person. <laughs> you know? that, that's the biggest takeaway I have True. actually, Jeff It's probably meeting you and actually us becoming so tight. You yeah. you you telling me when we met for the first time, oh, you're taller than I thought you were going to be. Yeah. <laughs> like not realizing that I'm like 6'1", and then like we meet and we hug and, and Vito, Vito's, I don't want to say short king, but just like, you know. 5'8", yeah, 5'9", I'm not tall. Perfect, handsomely yeah. average king, you know, like that's sure. like you're just. I'll take it. And you can't give me a hug. Yeah. And I'm you just like, kind of look up. in your chest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you look up at me, you're like, oh, I didn't think you were going to be that tall, you know. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, you know, that's kind of what it is. But like, you know, I think it's interesting because like I was lucky enough that like I knew Scotty when like, when when I first graduated college and moved up to Northern Virginia, um, Amy and Kenny, my sister and brother-in-law, who is kind of the thread between the three of us, uh, like they came down to visit because they were going to see Scott and Sung, uh, who at the time lived in Fairfax. I never met Scott. I, I didn't really know anything more of it. And I invited you guys over and like my sister wanted to see me since I moved in this area and. Uh, you know, Scott and Sung, Amy and Kenny, me and, and my roommate, Andrew, who we've referenced a million times and listened to the pod. Like, you know, we, we went out and, and got drinks and like Scotty and Scotty and I actually first met on a way to a golf course. 
was the first time I ever met Scotty was uh, Kenny and me and Scott sure. were going to go play nine, nine holes at, at Shadow Greendale golf club um, here in, in Northern Virginia. I still and, have the video of the shotgun that you and Kenny took. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we shotgunned. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I bullied Kenny into it. And Kenny's like, Jesus Christ. Okay, fine. My future brother-in-law is going to make me do this. Uh, and you're right, Kenny. That's exactly what I did. Uh, but like, I didn't, I didn't really know Scotty that well. And like, and what's amazing was like, we hung out a couple times, like always through the prism of Amy and Kenny and Scotty invited me over one Saturday to go watch college football. And it was, I want to say it was fall of 18, maybe. Uh, it was, I remember it was the day that the Sixers traded for Jimmy Butler. So whatever, whatever fall, whatever day that was. And I was like, sure, yeah. you know, and I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't know this guy that in well, our, but I was like, our humble not. apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm I, fuck it. I'll just, I'll go over. I got nothing else going on. Um, but developing that relationship with Scott was really important to me. Um, and especially in hindsight, because I was just like, geez, like I'm just sitting like I didn't have a whole I didn't have a huge crew of people, even though I knew people from college. I didn't have a ton of people around here I was really tight with. I'm trying to figure out I'm working weird hours. So like when I'm working on the weekends when I was on ESPNU, like everyone else is, you know, out drinking and like I didn't have that social development out of college. So having Scotty there on a Saturday, I could go over and watch college football and, and develop that. And then the golf stuff developed and I remember you inviting me to to join your fantasy league. I was up at the at the shore house. So that was 2019, I think. And and I got joined in. And um, and since then it's just been one of those things that I've just been so appreciative of because it gave me like a, a person, like a person, a connection, someone down here that I could be friends with. And so I'm always thankful for Scotty with that. And then when the pandemic hit, like all of us were in this weird spot of like, we, we want more interaction. Zoom became more ubiquitous and we didn't really have opportunities to like see people or meet new people and let alone like create a new, like creative type of venture. And that's kind of what this podcast became, which was like, I sat there and, and I remember Scotty doing his first recaps and texting him being like, we should do a podcast. And like, cause at that point I was like, I really need to start doing my own podcast again. Um, and he was like, well, it's funny you say that because Vito in the group wanted to do one too. And I was like, oh, the person that my sister and brother-in-law told me is like the biggest wild card of all time. Like, cool. I remember being kind of pissed, if I'm being really? honest. I was kind of pissed. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy who's taking yeah. my idea? I'm the one who works for ESPN Radio, you know? And and thinking like, man, what an asshole. But then, of course, I was like, no, it'd be great to have a third person. Let's do it. And within seconds of us doing the first podcast, it was huge. And, and Vito, like, I know you and I, like, we've only met in person, what, six Twice. or seven times? I mean, like, it's not a lot. Like, no. but I still consider you to be one of my closest friends. And it's amazing yeah. what we've been able to do through this venture. So for a million different reasons, and not to get overly sappy this early, because we're going to make fun of ourselves here in a little bit. I, I do express my my deepest condolences or condolences, my deepest appreciations to you two, because you guys gave me something at different points in my life that I really didn't have. And when I say like, I know I put in work and edit and do all the other stuff behind mm -hmm. the scenes and host and do the solo pods and all that stuff. Doing all of that to me is like the labor of love that has brought the two of you into my world in such a significant way. And um, I'm eternally grateful and I'll do that work 10 times out of 10 to be able to continue to be as close with you two as I am. And it, it means the world to me genuinely. Um, 
And, and, and it's the same thing with all of our listeners too. You know, I didn't think anybody would listen to this podcast. I didn't think it would be more than just giving me more reps. And you guys were so cool at the beginning. You're like, this is your thing and it's your career and we want to support you and all that. Um, but I never wanted it to feel that way. I never wanted it to be like, Hey, here's Jeff doing his thing. I wanted it to be like, this is our thing. You guys are people that mean a lot to me. And I want all of us to be able to be here and do it together. And 200 episodes later, I did some quick math. That's 21,000, uh, minutes. Uh, if you divide that, we have 350 hours, uh, which if you continue down the line means 15 days of time spent in our life doing this to 15, 24 hour days yeah. of us, of us having this, this time together, which is a, a crazy number to think of. Um, and that's, that's honestly probably undershooting it. Um, I picked a generic, I picked an hour 45, you know, um, but you guys have just meant the world to me and this podcast has. And as I've gone through different periods of my life where I've been able to devote a lot of time and sometimes where I haven't been able to devote a lot of time to it, I know it's always here. And well, having having that means a lot. So well, I always thank, thank you, guys you for it. No, dude, because I think no, we both know no, that, see, like, we're doing the Canadian standoff now. <laughs> classic in our in our jean suits. And no, the point is that like we all have a lot of things going on in our lives. Right. But the fact that Scotty and I can like, trust me, I'm, I, I, I know I come in and out sometimes, but it feels like home. I can always come back to this. Like yeah. the fact that you've kept it up. So where we can come in when we like, we, if we need to leave and, and like, we have to miss one, it's, it's nice, but I know the pod's still going on because of your effort. So um, all those hours that Jeff just said, he probably spends, uh, all, double that just editing putting this up doing all that and that's where it's like man you know we don't have uh the pod we would all get online and talk football that's fine but the podcast piece of it is uh is definitely yeah. you know thank you because without you it wouldn't happen <laughs> sure wouldn't. And, and look we i and I, th- I know we've said this before but i think all three of us would agree and it's proven by the fact that there were only like five people listening to us the first time we did this we would do this no matter what yeah. And the fact that we've developed friendships and bits and all this other stuff in between over the course of 200 episodes is crazy. Like, and, and something I didn't share, you know, when Spotify did, it's like end of the year roundup. Um, a lot of people do podcasts, right? Like a lot of people do that. And what blew my mind when I got the Spotify wrapped from the creator side of it, like musicians get their own version of Spotify wrapped, just like podcasters do or it gives off all the information of people who listen to your podcast, not just what you listen to. Um, you know, we were in the top 1% of podcasts listened to in the world, which is an a, a, insane thing to think about, but it's also a testament of like, you hear people who say all the time, like, Oh, another podcast, white, you know, straight white generic guys talking about sports. We actually do a decent job. And, and so much of that is a reflection of the people who listen to us. And we're nowhere close to the big guys, like no, not even in the same stratosphere as the big guys. But what we do here, actually, people actually resonate. It resonates with people. And when we take a few weeks off, like we had to this summer, I got texts and and calls and stuff from people who were like, "I'm both so concerned. yeah, both concern and I'm so happy you're back." And yeah. that's something that maybe it's just the the Irish Catholic pessimist in me. I never thought would actually happen. I never thought we would actually have people who are like missed us doing this. And the fact that there's people who I we've never met 
who who feel that way is such a cool and special, unique thing. Even if we're not, you know, we're not monetizing this shit. We're not we're, we're not over here making a ton of money on the side yeah. office. We're doing this because we genuinely love to do it. And yeah, yet yeah, Scotty, you're right. You know, we've sold some ads on here. We've done all right, but ultimately the chance for us to get to do this is so such an internal thing that I think all of us are really, really thankful for. So, and again, the biggest thank you always goes to the people who spend their time with us. Um, Agreed. And, and we love it for ourselves and we would probably do this once a week if there was no recording going on and we would just hop on here and talk about that. Our, our text thread is proof of that. We just like talking ball with each other. Um, but it really is something special and like we all get a chance to be able to do this uh, and have people listen to it and have it like enhance their day in, in, in any way. So um, at the end of the day, the people who, who take the time out of their day to listen to us dick around is uh, is really, really special. So, all right, with all that, let's stop with the mushy gushy shit. Um, what's our worst take on the podcast? <laughs> it's got scotty i'm sorry but it, it's well, no, we, have, we all have terrible takes all right, right. it's all over the place i think, I think for mine me, mine Jameis is probably MVP. still the worst yo Jameis mvp was <laughs> Jameis was is benched that- in week like okay it was not a good take for me he wasn't he one benched he no got no hurt. yeah he, he, he got, got hurt. hurt and then that's never, right and he was, then they never he was dancing with, with the crutches in the locker room it's like that's my mvp right there yeah fucking uh what's his name uh the the coach of the uh the saints some the old champagne the old no 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 the current no, coach after, uh, uh De- isn't it dick dennis allen dennis allen i yeah, would call him dennis. dick allen wouldn't fucking start james winston during the second once he got healthy again they wouldn't switch back to him which is bullshit exactly. uh but yeah no that was a terrible take <laughs> i have two terrible takes and they both happened last year what were they uh, you know one louisville Louisville making the ACC title game. Oh, that was so bad. I forgot. I forgot about that one. Yeah, saying saying Louis Louisville was going to be the biggest star. They fired their coach mid season. Yeah, that's right. Shout out uh, Scott. But Saturday. the worst. But the worst take of the two of them was Russell Wilson winning MVP was my pick. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. No, that that had not that had nothing nothing redeeming. I even told you in the moment. I warned you yeah. guys about the Broncos last year. Uh, I think my my worst take. It's something that took a while for me to to. I even I had to issue an apology on the podcast because I had so many people ripping me for it. Was my Ben Simmons take with the Sixers. <laughs> And just rider, I was ride or die with Ben Simmons. That is so good for four years, and I had to, I had to issue an apology when everything, I guess, was it not last summer, the summer before, uh, when everything broke down at post Atlanta Hawks. So I guess no, it was the 2022. Like it was like this time in 2022. I'm like, fuck. I think I have to just straight up apologize. Like I was so wrong about everything i and i got into legitimate arguments with philly fans about you know ben simmons all the stuff i was so so wrong about ben simmons so the rust thing is bad i don't know if anything's worse than uh than than ben simmons and being the diehard ben simmons believer that was that was pretty bad that was pretty bad but at least i I get it you're a blind fan like he was drafted your team all that I get it. I think w- when you look at this, a lot of times 
um, right? You make certain, like anything, certain decisions with your head, certain decisions with your heart. The heart ones you can live with almost a little bit better. Like, yeah, but I was just betting with what I wanted to. The worst is when you're like thinking it out and you're still wrong and you're like, I went with what I thought was right and I'm still just massively incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. God, but that um, first week, Jameis scored through five touchdowns. I thought you, I you, thought. you were like, dude, <laughs> lock. Wasn't that against the Packers in Lambo? Yeah. And, and he, it was like, he was just out Aaron Rodgers. And, and then was, Aaron Rodgers went on to win thing. the MVP yeah. that year. Yeah. That was 2021. Damn, I yeah. guess I had the wrong yeah. guy. Yeah, it game. was. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were close. You were close. Just picked the wrong side of the coin. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always been bad takes. You know, our draft takes are always bad. Oh. That was so. So that reminds. So favorite like contexts when we've when we've recorded. Like, is there's I there's one that comes to mind, and maybe this will for me at least that'll kind of set the stage. I remember us recording for the 2022 NFL draft. And it, I was home. It was my last weekend ever in my childhood house. And I was oh, yeah. up in Chalfont, Pennsylvania. And it was the night the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown and drafted Jordan Davis. And so it was la- the last draft. And we hopped on. And I was I was fired up. But I was also pretty drunk when we had started. Because I was home. I was like, I was home with my family. And we had drank during dinner. And then I had a couple beers during the draft. The next thing I, we hop up on, and I'm like, who I'm real fired up because the Eagles looked like did amazing. And I, I was so unexpected. It was so unexpected for the Eagles to do as well as they did in that draft. But then I was also like, fuck, I'm also kind of getting a little drunk here. Like I was, I, I, was I like remember looking at, I wanted, I wanted <laughs> Traylon Burks. I wanted the Eagles to have yeah. two first round draft picks. I was like, yeah, the Eagles got to target Traylon Burks. Then they trade that pick to get AJ Brown and sign him to the long-term well, extension. And in a similar way, uh, and I'd say all three drafts have been electric when we go live because like, yeah, it's so fun to, to record that way. Um, well, it's also so much later. We record just so everyone knows, usually like afternoon to early evening. But when the draft is done, we're recording at 1130. We're at doing night, it and We've all been drinking for three and a half hours minimum. So I think with the final easy. four. Yeah. Like, yeah. My, and, one and, of my favorite and, ones. And that was how that. it was like when, when, when we drafted Trey Lance, <laughs> this is going to come yeah. back to haunt me. But I was like, I am ecstatic for this pick. Like, yep. this is the quarterback I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And that, that draft, Scotty, you and I were just watching on Zoom together because I think our That's plan right. was to record the next day, maybe. Like, we weren't going to stay up late and do it. But that was the draft. The Eagles got Devontae Smith. And and I don't think you, right. might, you might have even had a video of me at some point, like my reaction to the Eagles drafting Devontae Smith and how fucking. I jumped up on the I couch. Was. I jumped oh, up on man. the couch for Trey Lance. I feel bad about that now. No, I, I mean, was, yeah, go ahead, Vito. <laughs> no, I was going to say the one, one I, I have a, viv- a couple memories to your point of context. Do you remember the one that it was just me and you, Jeff, and we just, our brains were gone. Like we couldn't do anything oh right. God. It was so funny. Dude, I, was Scott, at the I, be- I was at the, I was at the beach house yeah, for some and, reason. And I just landed in Philly. We were both exhausted and we were both trying to do the pod and every like, fourth name we thought of we we're like what's his name the guy on the team the, you the know thing. the guy who plays the sport <laughs> you know yeah i think it was like it might have been a free agency pod like it might have been something it yeah, might have been the know. broncos sale or the broncos russell wilson something. one which i think the broncos russell wilson one is one of our most listened to episodes of all time uh, yeah. which if that's the case then jesus christ <laughs> um 
Yeah, January of 2022. It's our second most listened podcast of all time. Is the Hell episode yeah. when, when Vito and I were basically both just drunk, but not from like <laughs> actually being drunk, but just being so goddamn tired because you had just landed. And I pulled like off an all nighter yeah. and a half. Like it was a nuts. That was a and I early had, 21 was tough for me. I yeah. had done like a post show. <laughs> And then gotten in the car the next day and drove up and there was traffic, whatever. And then I was in the same boat. Like it was something that we were both off. Like we're both just dead tired. That's such a good call. God, I forgot about that. Well, there's been so many moments. I mean, there's been 200 episodes, you know, and like, I think back, there's a couple episodes when I look at some of the numbers, like some of the numbers, like over time, like the numbers come in, they go up a little bit. There's like one solo pod that I did that was about Jalen Johnson which was two years ago. It was like our maybe 13th episode ever. And I had to go solo and I did it on Jalen Johnson, who was a, 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 a recruit or he was a great, he was playing at Duke and he was a freshman. He was a, a, a scoring guard. He's still in the NBA now, but he ended up leaving Duke in the middle of the season. And it was this huge story. And it was just all this stuff about, I didn't have the right stuff or whatever. And I just, I remember sitting in that episode and just, it's one of those I think back. I was like, every other episode we ever did is it, the numbers get higher. We get up to you know triple digits, and we, we get more and more. That episode has just stayed. Like even the fake AI bots that come in and listen to some podcast episodes are like, nope, <laughs> not listening to that one. Fuck that. Like so, th- there's always didn't a get in the episodes. algorithm. No, yeah, didn't get in the algorithm. <laughs> there's always a few episodes you do where you think back on. You're like, all right, well, we probably missed the missed the mark on that. Um, do you have favorites because i have like a handful of favorites in in the past 100 yeah Yeah, what do you got i'm i'm glad you asked i got a top five ranking (laughs) oh even better uh uh number five is uh on my list of uh top episodes in the last 100 the eagles draft grant calcaterra that was that was a fun episode just that was the same draft That was excited oh wait no that was the no, monday no. after yeah it was just as, was, yeah. just to see how excited you were Vito, and, and knowing that we uh we knew insane. a guy who was who was in the league so i don't um, think i told you on the pod but like that eagles video was mine like they asked the eagles asked me for mine because i videoed their family the reaction so the really? one the eagles like posted yeah i'm the one how did you not it, you sh- can, how did you not share that? i don't think i i don't think i did i don't know it was like it didn't it wasn't about me it was about grant i didn't want to make like but a year later I'd be like that video it's your boy no, but that's valuable information in the moment. I would have loved to have known that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking behind the camera, and my friend actually texted me, like, is this your video? And I was like, yeah, it's me. Shout out. <laughs> that's incredible. Number four, uh, Vito's post-Super Bowl stories with the Eagles after the uh, Super Bowl. Box. That's a bottom five episode for yeah, me. That's that was, so mean. Yeah, but the stories are so cool, man. Bradley Cooper. I, it was There yeah. were some good stories. Yeah. Uh, number three i wrote down is the uh, i guess it's not in the last hundred though is the live pod that we did at Vito's parents oh uh, yeah the only pod yeah. we've ever done with all three of us in the same room the, number the two, truly the tr- uh was it no the bud light seltzer taste bud light test. fall yes. fall pack seltzer <laughs> oh, taste God. test uh number two uh in the last hundred bill the bill russell memorial that we did that was uh, a really good one. I think really that was you and me, Scotty. Yeah. That's yeah, also that one of our most listened to episodes. Yeah, that's uh, our and, sixth most listened to episode of all time. And, and deservedly so, because Bill Russell's the GOAT. Uh, and number one, for me, favorite episodes in the last hundred was 
obviously the Warriors winning the uh, 2021-2022 finals. (laughs) No, that's a really good one. That's a really good one. Um, I cried. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's the first time you've seen the championship in so long. I totally understand those emotions. Um, <laughs> man, that's a, it's a great question. There's there's a few that are like the most memorable. Um, one that I'm I'm particularly proud of, and I don't mean to sound as like a holier than thou thing, but the the Demar Hanlon situation. We did we did a full episode, um, and recorded before that Monday night game. And then everything happened. And I remember texting you guys and just being like, I, today, release like yeah. releasing it without it, without the context, even if I, you know, did a, because I've done it before where like big news has broke after we record a podcast and I'll do a little intro being like, hey, we missed this. Here's our thoughts on it. Right, Boom. Yeah. Here's the rest of the episode. It, nothing felt right that day. And I felt like as a podcast collectively, we did a really good job. Um, of kind of just leaving that as it was. Um, the Ryan Leaf episode for me was really, really big, selfishly. Uh, awesome. I, I worked with Leafy for a long time, um, and he's a really, really good dude. And him giving the time and, and the whole interview, the way everything worked out, you know, we did almost an hour together. And uh, he was so kind to be able to, do, you know, donate his time to us. Um, same thing with my buddy, Chris Plank, the, the episodes where I've had like my buddy Denton on, um, Denton, th- yeah. those pods were great. Denton Charles, by the way, announced today, Denton Day is hosting college football overtime on Sirius XM's college sports radio, uh, for this upcoming season, which is, uh, very rare in the Sirius XM world to have a producer who makes the jump to on-air host. Um, yeah. really, really stoked for him. That's a huge, huge deal. I'm really, really proud of him. He deserves it. Um, I would say the ones that also come to mind, both the uh, <laughs> the Bachelor Party preview and review podcasts <laughs> were all time. I know that was, I think, before the, we hit 100 or it might have been right after we hit 100. Um, but those pods were, were two of my favorites all times where uh, we did our over-unders for the, <laughs> for the Bachelor, for my brother-in-law's Bachelor Party that we were all on. That was an all-time episode. Um, the read option flu game. I don't know if you guys remember that, but there was an episode oh, yeah. where, where all of us were were feeling like dog shit. Uh, again, yeah. that's, that's in like the top 15. That was uh, uh, basketball focus too. Uh, that was like right before the uh, playoff spark, uh, started. Um, yeah, that's right. A, I had COVID. The Wells Fargo Championship recap. Uh, after Scotty and I went to that was a ton of fun. Um, there's so many Vito, any, anything else we haven't hit that stands out to you? I think, um, I think a lot of it we hit, I think for me, the most special thing has been like the consistent football ones. And I know it's cheesy to just say like all of the, but the Mondays after football, cause you guys know how it is. Like sometimes you'll be, I don't know, at work or something, you talk football with someone and they might not be like a hardcore fan, which most people aren't. They have, you know, lives and stuff. But uh, for us, it's always nice to have like, I know I'm going to get different perspectives and talk to you guys about football every Monday. And I look forward to it so much. So like the consistency of those, I think is probably my favorite episodes that we ever do. Yeah, no, and, and I, I agree. I agree. Um Cause so often when I look at the numbers, like I'm not looking back and reading every single episode, like I'm more 
curious about that. Well, it's because it's the read option, stuff. Jeff. It is. It is the read option. Um, yeah, I mean, look, getting a chance to to experience a a Super Bowl run on this podcast was was a very special thing, you know. Despite mm. it not working out, um, I look forward to it. I I am proud of the way that I handled the uh, the day after the Super Bowl and us recording that podcast. That was that was uh, that was rough. Um, there's just so many individual moments. It's hard to count them all back. Um, but I, I do, I sincerely, again, like to everyone who's ever been a guest on the pod for everyone who's ever spent time listening to the pod, uh, it, it means the world. So we, we thank you and we love you and we appreciate you guys. Uh, and look, I, we said this last time when we were at a hundred and we said, look, we love, we said all the same shit. We love why we do it. We're thankful we get to do it. We're going to hopefully keep doing it. Here's to the next hundred. And I said the same thing again to you both. Cheers. And here's to the next hundred. Uh, and we'll, we'll run this back again when we hit 300, because uh, at that point, Hey, we're, we're 50, we're what? Uh, 20% of the way to a thousand episodes. Uh, and we're going to keep trying to do that. So um, if you guys got anything else you want to say, no, for Scotty, think, for Vita. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I, yeah. No, no I was, I was going to say uh, thank you everybody for listening. And like Jeff said, the one thing that we love more than anything probably on the pod is getting the feedback, hearing from you guys. It's always so fun. And uh, keep it coming for the next 100, like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for the boys, Scotty and Vito, I'm Jeff. Thank you all for listening. 200 episodes in. We love you guys. And uh, here's the next 300, the next 100 to get to 300. And uh, as always, take it easy, everybody.